there was like five of us, five or six of us in the school. And at the time I was on SWAT, I was one of the snipers. So we put a plan together. I went and got my sniper rifle out of the trunk of my cruiser. I said, here's the way it's going to work, guys. I said, you're all going to cross the water. I'm going to cover you with the sniper rifle. And then when I'm when not, you get through, you come up here, take my rifle and cover me and my dog when you go through the water. And that was pretty much every night. I had my, pretty sad canine school. You got your sniper rifle out half the time because you're so scared of alligators. This is 56, Pinellas County Sheriff's Office podcast. I'm Ricky Butler, and I'm once again joined by my colleagues and co-hosts, Laura Sullivan and Ashley Cooley. We are all civilians in the communications and public education section of the Sheriff's Office and excited to bring you episode two. I can't believe we're actually recording a second episode already. And technically kind of a third because we had episode zero. We did. It was our tiny little episode. Speaking of which, if you are listening for the first time, I would encourage you to listen to episode zero for some important context like the who, what, where, when, why. But briefly... Mm -hmm. Why 56? I'll cover this for the first couple. All right. Then you're on your own. Then I'm, yeah. Yeah. Then y'all have to figure it out and be big kids. But 56 is a 10 code. uh, And a 10 code is one of the two primary types of codes that law enforcement uses on a radio. Some that you're familiar with may be like 104 or 1020. Uh, But 1056 here at the sheriff's office means meet or meet up, which is what we do with this podcast. We uh, meet members of the agency, talk about who they are, what they do, and why, and have a lot of fun along the way. So that's what we're doing here with 56. That's what it means. But um, before we get into our excellent guest, I think we uh, owe everyone a big thank you. For <laughs> we owe everyone a big thank you for tuning in to listen to our first yes. ever episode. We yeah. had a great conversation with Detective Ron Chalmers of our cold case unit. We talked about uh, his time at Reno, the fact that he was never part of Reno 911, but still had the, he had, he had, the the shorts. Shorts. had the shorts, but not the boots. And of course, we spent a bulk amount of that time talking about the incredible breakthroughs they've had on a couple cold cases. Uh, one was a six or seven year old uh, um, unidentified John Doe case. And then the other was a 36 year old homicide uh, from back in 1987. So they solved both of those uh, with genetic genealogy, which is a really... Um, I wouldn't say it's new, but it's definitely an up-and-coming tool for law enforcement. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of uh, cold cases are going to be cleared using genetic genealogy. And it's yeah, so really we, interesting stuff. We plan on talking to, to Ron some more because he was giving us some previews about some other cases they have. Yeah. So uh, if you have not listened to episode one, finish this one first, and then go back and listen mm-hmm. to learn about uh, Ron and the cold case unit and the great work they do. Now, I will say it is pretty t- – like this is harder than I thought it was going to be. Like, not, like starting a podcast is, is stressful. Because it's like there's a lot of parts and pieces. We have the technical side covered. But then, you know, getting the right people in here to perk people's interests and get them listening is, is tough. Mm-hmm. But we're starting strong. Uh, and it's not that it's not going to be great guests, but we have to get the hook. we got to get people in so they know that no matter what we talk about, it's going to be interesting and it's going to yeah. be a fun conversation. Or it's like Laura likes to say, it's like eavesdropping on a fun conversation. We can make any conversation fun. But we are especially excited uh, for our guests. We have a lot. We have big shoes to fill trying to, to beat out uh, Ron Chalmers. But we have the top dog, King of the Canines, Sergeant mm-hmm. Mike Killian, joining us uh, as our second guest on 56. And um, I am really excited about this one. But before we get into it, Ashley has a question for all of us. We have a, a question that sort of levels the playing field to kind of get the conversation going, and we're all going to answer it so Mike doesn't feel singled out. So, Ashley, right. what is your question? So, it doesn't start as a question, but I got a text message the other day, and it said, we play tennis tomorrow. You in? So, it was a spam text message. Are you the type of person that interacts with spam calls and spam text messages, or no, and why? 
I rarely interact with anybody if I can avoid it. So uh, <laughs> if I don't know them, I'm not the one that's gonna gonna mess with them. Although it might be interesting, it might be fun. It is for some people. Yeah. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> I I never get those. No? I, I get like some link. Uh, it's it's not like a question like that. Um, but if I did, I would prop. There's a really good chance I would mess with them. Um, I thought that so. sounds like you. Yeah, because wh- I mean, why not? That's such an odd like. I feel like these people that come up with these scams, I mean, obviously they're smarter than we are because we're working to earn our money and they're just scamming people. Right. But tennis? Like, yeah. Tennis? Yes. And then I've also gotten one that was like, hey, Heather, I met you at the party. Um, I just wanted to check in and see how you're doing. I mean, that's very presumptuous of your name. I know. I, I think I, at this point I've been so scared, especially since I've started working here by all the don't fall for a scam right. things that we that we put out that I wouldn't respond or in case I accidentally clicked she, on the link Laura, or something. Laura's afraid. I, she just I, pushes her phone <laughs> away over the table, just kind of cowers. She's like, I don't, don't want to. Uh, that's I, how I am with yeah. it. Like, I, and then like, if I don't know that number, I don't answer. Mm-hmm. I don't answer that phone. Like I won't do it, but I know right. some people love to pick and, the phone up and, and, and mess with them. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we talked to, to, some of our residents that are more susceptible to scams. Mm-hmm. And it's like, listen, if, if you don't know the number, don't don't answer it. If it's yeah. if it's somebody that you should be talking to, maybe they'll leave a message. Yeah. I mean, that's even with now, you know, iPhones at least mm-hmm. pop up, you know, scam probable. Yeah. Android too. Yeah. So I don't know how that world works. Well, yeah. Mike, you haven't had a chance to weigh in. We just we no, don't have this conversation. This is the point. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kind of depressed. I don't get any of those kind of text messages. Oh, no. I'll send you a few. Nobody <laughs> wants to play tennis. He's just spamming me, so I can't even answer anybody. So I got that going for myself. <laughs> Nobody wants to play tennis with Mike. But you would but mess with him, though, wouldn't you? I, I probably would not. I, I probably wouldn't. It's you're, just you're it, I have ignore. too much aggravation in my life. The fact that spam people, I'd be like, just shut up and go away. Honestly. that's. So even the phone calls you get with like car warranty and stuff, you do? Nope, no, no reply. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, I mean, you answer the phone and nobody talks. It's like yeah. done. Yes. Do, do you know anybody who does that? Who who will mess with them? Brennan. Brennan. Ah, <laughs> Brennan in the shadows will mess with mm-hmm. them. Well, I yeah. mean, it, like I said, I would too if I, you know, it's just a lot of times you're not even looking at your phone if you get a text some, right away sometimes. And oh yeah. By the time you get to it later. Not to mention, you don't want to talk to a lot of people who are actually calling you for real. That's right. That's so right. First no lie. Actual yeah. coworkers. Yeah. I need friends. Exactly. It's like, oh, you look at that caller ID. You're like, oh man. That's a, yeah. That's Here a good go. point. And, and, then, and then what if I actually had to play tennis once I interacted? I don't know if I'm up for that. I don't know. That's what Brennan was like. Say absolutely. I'll meet you tomorrow. That, is, yeah. that would be. I would want to know what is the end game with a tennis. But you want to win. Well, no, I but mean. I mean, what? <laughs> like the money scam. Yeah. Like what do you? I don't wait, know. Wait, wait, wait. I think it's a racket. Oh, oh, nice. <laughs> Sorry. That was actually really good. That was better than mine. That was, that was uh, good. Um, but I, I don't know. I just. Yeah, I do wonder. I, I, what... I feel left out now because I don't get them. Really? Mm-mm. I'll get the ones that are like messed up. Like a, it tries to look like your bank or something, yeah. which is pretty easy because I don't bank with yeah, whoever. whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You know? But that's good stuff. Yeah. Solid question. It was. I like there it. you go. All right, let's get into what get into what the paying customers want to hear. All about Sergeant Mike Killian, and, and before we get into it, I have to share uh, uh, a little personal tidbit. Uh oh. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I and you get can the Kleenex. You can tell yeah. You can tell your Ricky story too if you want, but well, since I'm dragging, yeah, okay. I figured. 
But uh, <clears throat> so I, I started here at the sheriff's office uh, 10 years ago this month, actually. And um, time flies. And, um, you know, when I started, it was during a time that there was some transition happening with, with how we handle our PR type communications. There, the sheriff was in the midst of making some changes. And in addition to that, we were trying to figure out, you know, social media, i.e. Facebook back then was what we had. And it was new. So it was like, yeah, Mike's like, it's oh, still pretty new. I had a MySpace. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so it was all, you know, it was all pretty new to, to law enforcement in general. So trying to figure out how to use it is what I was tasked with in, in the midst of everything else. And, um, you know, at, up to that point, we're using it to put out things that have happened. They're reactionary. It's, you know, a press conference. It's a press release. It's, you know, photos of an event that had happened. But then we were like, well, you know, we really need to try to be more kind of proactive and feature the men and women of the sheriff's office and talk about what we're doing. And, of course, a very early stage is what we do today or what Ashley does today. But anyway, um, it is, and I'm not, I'm not saying this in a, in a negative way uh, from a negative perspective, but it is very difficult as a civilian to work alongside law enforcement. Like, it is, it is difficult. Um, everyone was very welcoming, very nice. It's not that. It's just, you know, there's a, there's a, a, a dividing line there. Like, there's a, you know, law enforcement is complicated. You have to understand it. It's, you have to live it. You can't just take a test and then, you know, you understand. So mm -hmm. it was very difficult being the new guy, making inroads, trying to figure out how we want to generate content, what we want it to be. And Mike was the corporal in K-9 at the time when I started. And Mike was actually like, it sounds lame, but he was like my first friend at PCSO. All right. Because, <laughs> because, because I don't think he understood what I was trying to do. And I don't know if he still, I don't know, you may not still, but Mike knew that, that whatever we were trying to do was good for the sheriff's office. So he was always very welcoming and accommodating and, and let me come out to try to cover different things, even though I didn't know what I was going to do with the content. Um, and I just wanted to recognize you for that and thank say you, thank Ricky. you because, because we really, um, that, that, that was the basis of, of everything we do is a relationship that, that we built with canine. And we will always have a great relationship with K9 uh, NPR because of Mike mm -hmm. and all the guys out there, because guys and gals, because listen, well, dogs. It's it's not the people, it's the dogs. It, yeah, I get it. let's be real. Nobody really wants to see any of y'all. They just want to see the dogs. But anyway, I just wanted to, to put well, that thank out you. there. Thank you, Ricky. I really appreciate that. So you should be sending Mike text messages about going to tennis? Yeah, we and should. You're not? I should, yeah, I should be inviting yeah. Mike to play let tennis. Me, let me just tell you now, I can't play tennis. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't either. So that <laughs> could actually be a bad day for both of you. Will your knees take it? Maybe not. True, maybe not. Let's do something easier. Something easier. Yeah, a golf cart ride or something. There you go. Now you're talking golf cart ride. So anyway, just wanted to throw it out there. Uh, we, you, you know, we appreciate uh, everything that you do for us. So thank you. Just start off with a nice suck up so we can have a good conversation. <laughs> so, um, Mike, uh, you've been in the world of law enforcement for 33 years. That's correct. Yep. 33 years. That's as long as I've been alive. <laughs> Baby. Now too. you're trying to hurt me. Yeah, out nice. Okay, well, now, it's, it's now I get nice. it. You start out all nice, and, start nice me. and then I can cut them down. So uh, you've been, uh, a, you've done a little bit of everything. Yes, so I've you started, fortunate. you started your career uh, at Pasco County uh, up north of here um, when you were 19. You started at the jail. That's correct. Yeah, 19 yeah. years old, and uh, I desperately wanted to be a patrol deputy, and the sheriff said, "Not a chance, pal. You're going to the jail. Learn how to grow up and learn, work around inmates and." When it first happened, I was so upset. I was like, no, I didn't sign up to work in a jail. I want, I want to be on the road. And in hindsight, years later, I was like, thank goodness he put me in a jail. At 19 years old, I had no idea what life was really about until I spent a year with inmates. And you start understanding human behavior a lot better. So hmm. 
I'm a big uh, uh, proponent of that, starting people off in the jail real young. Interesting. And, and I guess, you know, um, there, there, there's this, and it's, it doesn't, you know, really, it's not a real thing, but, but there is, the, and I, well, I suppose it could vary agency to agency, but there is this sort of stigma where, you know, law enforcement and corrections are not on a level playing field. While we all know that they're both unique, they both have unique challenges, and, and they both do important work. And, mm-hmm. and of course, for us, they're, they're equal here at the sheriff's office. Mm-hmm. But that is interesting because I, I've heard that before, and I, I guess that's more of a, an old school mentality, perhaps, or it may vary by jurisdiction that they'll say, "Hey, you know, kid, you need to start. You need to start at the jail. You need to learn how to talk to people." Well, well, for me personally, it made me a much stronger deputy. It made me a much more efficient deputy. And even when I went to training, uh, you know, our training division our unit is are put together at the correction side, law enforcement side, and I worked so well to corrections people, and I gave them the respect that they deserve because I had worked in that facility with those facilities before. So I know what a tough job they have where I think sometimes they don't get the respect they deserve. Right. And again, having done that, been there, I'd never want to go back there again because it's such a tough job. It's like, right. man, I, I give them all the credit in the world in the jail. Yeah. In the jail. Perspective is, is important. Um, so I, I think you, you think you had a fun story from your first day. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. So I was brand new and I went to the booking section and, and my FTO was telling me how to do things. And I'm following around again, 19 years old. I had no idea. So. We were working a drunk tank, booking, running around, fingerprinting inmates, and my FTO showed me how to do that. And this guy comes in, and he was a nice fellow. The guy was just drunk. He was real friendly, and I'm talking to him, fingerprinting him, and not realizing every time I fingerprinted his left hand, so I've got his right hand on going finger to finger, and uh, he keeps patting me on the back. Yeah, you're such a nice guy. I'm like, oh, great. I think I'm doing a great job. So uh, I see where this about, is going. Three uh. hours, about three hours later, I, uh, my FTO comes up. He goes, hey, dummy. I'm like, oh, boy, I'm in trouble. This didn't take long, three hours of the job. And right. He was going to the bathroom and look at your back. And, I mean, it was just cover of, like, ten handprints, fingerprints all over. And we wore white shirts. Oh, um, boy. So that, that didn't help. And I knew I had been gotten at that point. That inmate was not my buddy. He was not being friendly. He was just – he knew that hand was covered in ink, and he just started covering my shirt, my white shirt. And so – well, that, so, was my, that, that was that character building. You did. Yeah, learning yeah. experience. You never let anybody patch on a bag again? No, that didn't happen again. <laughs> that, that very good lesson learned on that one. That is uh-huh. that is awesome. So how long did you spend uh, working in the jail for? You went up one year. One year. One year. One year like on the dot? Uh, probably about just shy of one year, like by days. Mm. And then I was fortunate enough to get a phone call from the Citrus County Sheriff's Office. They oh, wanted okay. me. So okay. I said bye to Pasco and moved up to Citrus. No so way. you so you never you never ended up working the road in Pasco. No, no, no. Got no, it. So okay. Straight to Citrus. Yep. Good old Citrus County. Oh yeah. yes. Who uh, who was the sheriff when you got hired? Charles S. Dean. Oh man, Sheriff <laughs> Dean. I got to tell you something for you young whippersnappers, because <laughs> I happen to know uh, <clears throat> Sheriff Dean. He after he was done being sheriff, he went up to Tallahassee. He was a Florida senator, Florida state senator for. Uh, I think eight years. I think he had a full yeah. eight years. Yeah. And that man, I have, we have some mutual friends, and that guy was... When I got <laughs> hired by him, you had to meet him personally. Uh-huh. So I remember walking into his office, and now I'm a 20-year-old kid, so I'm still really not far past 19 mm-hmm. at this point. And I walked in his office, and he had a massive office with gun cabinets everywhere, all around his desk. He had deer heads and stuff up, and I'm like, whoa. And he's a large man. He's like 6'4", just a very intimidating fellow. And I remember he inter- interviewed me personally, and I remember... I felt so nervous. That was probably the most nervous interview I'd ever been involved in. And it was, he asked me questions that nowadays you're just kind of like, he's like, what church do you go to? Stuff like that. I'm <laughs> oh like, Mike, start thinking, pal. Start thinking of something. <laughs> uh, the local one here, sir. That's yeah. the church. First Baptist Church is <laughs> yeah. Citrus That's County. Good safe. guess. Good guess. And, and after I was hired, I did go to the First Baptist Church of Inverness. <laughs> there it is. All right, Inverness. Good. Uh. 
yes. He was. He 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 is a character. He and his Senate office had deer heads and couldn't have gun cabinets in there. But the you deer heads you knew there. exactly where you stood when yeah. you worked for him. He he did not skirt around things. He was very direct, and which made it really good to work for him because you the expectations were there. Kind of like Sheriff Terry, honestly. Oh, 100 percent. You don't have to there. wonder where he's at. Nope. Which saves a lot of time. Absolutely. So citrus, it's got to be a different place to work. Especially back then. Right. We're talking 1991 now. Um, that, I was I was one. If you're wondering. <laughs> you're killing me, me too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm leaving. I don't want to do this podcast anymore. Yeah, this is not we, we can get rid of them. Just, just you and I talk. We, hey, we, right. we can catch the same references. Actually, we you know what? We can retire too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Funny. Funny. Uh, well, I can't remember. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I went off well, and did like, you freelance stayed. stuff for 15 years. But, I'm still yeah. trying to talk Lauren to coming back to the road. We're gonna, it's going to happen. I'm telling you. It's I happen. don't know. I get to do all the fun stuff now and then yeah. just write about it without getting shot at. <laughs> I guess it's a too, too often. Yes. Too yeah. often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. All right. Very, <laughs> very rural, though. Very yeah. rural area at the time. I love and saying that word. Rural. 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 I hate it. <laughs> Sorry, I won't use that again, Ashley. No, we want to say a lot. It's just difficult to say. Yeah. It's very country. So, so in rural, rural citrus. <laughs> but at the time, there was only four deputies working the street. So there's only four of us t- county in the whole wide, county. In the whole county, that was it, wow. four of us. That's, a, bi- that's a big county. How, how long right? top speed from one end of the county to the other if, Ooh, if you needed 94? If you needed a backup up there, yeah. it, it your, took probably your job. 15, 20 minutes to get a backup. And that's wow. on a good day. If the other person's on a domestic or a DUI, you're talking the other side of the county, so you're talking half yeah. an hour, about half an hour out. So once again, to kind of go back to my jail days, I learned how to talk to people in the jail and working in a very, not very rural. Country. <laughs> country. <laughs> area, Non-urban. Um, you <laughs> learn how to talk to people. You know, you're there by yourself and you yeah. get these people who are drunk in their house and they're like, I'm not going to jail. You're like, well... It's got probable cause. You're going to have to go. And it's a lot easier, I found, talking people into handcuffs and fighting people into handcuffs. Oh, yeah. And you learn that uh, in, a, in a smaller agency like that. It was, yeah. it was, I'm so grateful for the experiences I had there because it was such a great place to work and I learned so much. Well, it's going to, I mean, that's going to make you a better. I mean, on, on one side, you, you know, have to wait a little bit for backup, but mm-hmm. you learn those skills. And then if you yeah. find yourself at a larger agency, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. How many people did you say for the whole county? Four. Four. Yep. Uh, That's a, plus a like sizable plus a county. But not on at any given moment? At one time, four of us. Uh, on, on duty. Like on duty. Okay. Yes. I thought you meant like That's all it. shifts, everything. Yeah. Oh, I was no, like, no. That's, That's like one I a start, day. When I started, we had a total of 70 deputies, including the jail. Oh, my God. Including the jail. Including wow. the jail. Yep. Wow. Oh, yeah. You appreciate it. Backup. There's yeah. no better sound than that siren coming when you need to help. Bet you got into some hairy situations up oh, there. Oh yes, there, yeah. there were some days. There were some days that you're just like, "What am I doing here?" Um, some well, rough ones. What was what, what was one of the worst ones? Yeah, give us some. Um, probably the worst one for me was a domestic, where it seems like in law enforcement, and, and again, <laughs> you learn these things as you go. The calls that aren't hot calls turn into the nightmare calls for mm-hmm. us. Right. The the hot calls, you know, a person with a weapon or something like that. Everybody's got all four of us at the time. <laughs> We're going to something like that. Like, hey, send everybody, all four of us. But um, this particular call, a domestic, I was by myself, and a guy, the suspect, had already left the house allegedly, according to the call taker. Um, as I pulled up out front, I quickly realized, it's again, very uh, open area, uh, probably about a five-acre tract. So I pulled down the driveway, and um, the guy came running out, ripping his shirt off, screaming, wanting to fight me. I'm like, oh, this isn't good. This isn't good. And, you know, again, get on your radio, call for help. But it's like, yeah, isn't that cute? Somebody's coming <laughs> to see you in a little while. That's why I'm not a deputy. I just locked the doors. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he took off his shirt. He meant business. He, he wanted to really go. So... We, uh, he and I ended up on the ground fighting with one another. Pepper spray was flying everywhere. And 
you know, a three, four, five minute fight's a long time anyway. So we're, mm-hmm, we're minutes yeah. into this fight now and we're, it's kind of an even back and forth. And his brother came running out of the house and he tried oh. punching me while I was on the ground. And again, this is 1991. So uh, his dad came running out with a VCR camera. I'm not making this up, Ricky. The whole what, family. The, it, looked like, it looked like giant. a Channel 13 mm-hmm. camera nowadays. What? It was really huge ones. He's, and he's trying to video me. He's yelling, I got you on camera, man. You're going to jail. So that's not a new thing. Oh, no, that was happening in 1991. Yeah, just bigger, bigger cameras. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, bigger muscles. Yeah, yeah. That, isn't it weird how you go surreal <laughs> moments? You're looking at somebody going, what a camera. Whoa, look at the size of that. I'm fighting with this guy. And uh, so I actually had to pull my gun out and uh, tell the brother to get back because he kept trying to punch me. So I want wow. I get this guy on the ground. And I remember laying there, and I was just like, come on, somebody get to me. Now all these people are outside, all family, they're all coming over. And there, I remember one of our detectives was off-duty at the time on his way to Inverness from Homosassa, and he heard the call come out. So Wally Griggs, Wally uh, came, I, that, an old uh, Crown Vic, he uh, had a little bubble light on the dashboard, and I remember hearing the, the siren getting louder and louder. I'm like, oh, thank God, somebody's coming. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching Wally drive through this five-acre track, like look like Dukes of Hazzard. <laughs> flying I mean, just flying, have blue lights <laughs> flying all over the interior of the car, all over the place, and wow. he jumped out. And But that, that was, I remember afterwards, just laying on the ground. Every, you know, the other three guys got there, and we got the guy in custody. I remember just laying there like, man, maybe this is not such a great idea, law enforcement. What am I doing here? Mm-hmm. But... That's that was a scary one. That was probably one of the scariest ones for me. Like, holy crap. And yeah, I mean, you have to be resourceful. I mean, I I guess, you know, I hear that now and I think, well, this is how a a story we're going to hear about in the news starts as far as a a significant, you know, use of force. Mm -hmm. Right. But, you know, that's not the goal. No, not at all. We just want to get get the guy in custody and absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. yeah, like I say, it's always the ones that, you know, you don't realize. You're like, oh, this would be an easy one. I'll get out there, take the reports, see if I can find a guy later on. And you get, get out of your car. And he still was there. Still there, ready yeah. to go. That's what made it so much fun coming here when I got here, you know, because the resources. And I remember sitting in one of the first read-offs, and I get an FTO, and they're like, hey, we're kind of shorthand tonight. There's only 60 of us working. <laughs> I'm like, aren't you cute? Only 60 of us working. Wait, oh. wait, they're serious? <laughs> <laughs> the whole agency's working and the jail guys are out right now? <laughs> wow. So what else? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of great, great Citrus times. Oh, yeah. and well, you, you were in SWAT in Citrus? Yes, I was yeah. on the SWAT team. Yeah, I was on the SWAT team up there for 10, year, 10 years and then three oh, wow. years here in Pinellas. Wow. So uh, we had some call-outs were a little bit different back then. We were, everything was dynamic, entries and stuff like that. Now, um, it's still a part-time, obviously, yes. unit. Like, yeah. It's still a part-time team. Um, we just were very active, very active team, barricaded subjects, suicidal subjects, search warrants. We executed all of them for the sheriff's office. Um, so when you say it was, you know, more dynamic entry and things, yeah. what does that mean? Uh, nowadays we're much safer the way we do things. I think it's much smarter the way we do. And we call, we do a breach and holds here and most agencies, not the nation now, um, which means you breach the front door, breach windows, flashbangs, and, and call the person out to you, the suspects out. Years ago, we'd go three or four o'clock in the morning, breach the front door and basically go through like a banshee's going through the house, trying to clear the house, find suspects. And we found there was a lot of shootings involving stuff like that because people said they didn't know it was law enforcement breaching the front door at 3 o'clock in the morning. And, right. You know, we're in Florida, a lot of guns out there. So right. um, it was just a whole different world back then. Smarter way to do it. Yes. There was a, there was one you had told me about from 96, a barricaded subject in a mobile home. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. The <laughs> Waco on the with the coochie. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. This are, you, are you too old enough to know, uh, know about Waco? <laughs> Well, I know what it is. Okay. I do not. Okay. So, so that that happened uh, a few years before his incident happened in, in '93. That was a standoff with the uh, with the cult, the Branch Davidians, and law enforcement, and they uh, went to serve a warrant. And I think uh, four ATF guys and a few Branch Davidians were killed. And that started a standoff that lasted like 51 days, and ended with uh, 
the cult people setting their compound on fire, and uh, like 76 people died, <laughs> including a bunch of children in the fire. So holy cow, horrible! Big standoff, big conflagration. There was a, I think there was a series. Was it Hulu? It's on Netflix, I think. Netflix. Yeah. Netflix there was, was a series. Yeah. Yep. Come on, Ashley. Sorry. Yeah. I, All right. She's playing I, tennis. I, 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 absolutely, <laughs> with strangers. I, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you did not coin it. That. Oh no, 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 no. Um, the call came out again. Standard call. Back then, we had these things called beepers. Uh, nobody had a cell phone. <laughs> we actually got beeped, and a number would come up, SWAT call out. So uh, we had to call dispatch and respond. And uh, so we're, uh, we all get to the scene, and I remember <laughs> so many things happened on this call. So many things stand <laughs> out in my mind. Uh, one of our guys, he was a detective, an undercover detective. He had his pickup truck, and uh, he decided it was a good idea to get changed in the back of the pickup truck and put his SWAT gear on in front of a lady's house. <laughs> And uh, he was, <laughs> yeah, in his underwear in the back of the truck. And I remember we got more trouble for that portion of the call out than anything else with Sheriff Dean. Sheriff Dean was wow. my buddy Pasta. If you're listening to this, Pasta, I love you, pal. But uh, bad day for us, pasta. buddy. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we, that's awesome. we go to the call out, and it's a mobile home, and it's on the uh, Withacoochee River. And it's a mobile home elevated. And the, this was a weird one because, they got, again, the subject was suicidal. His wife had fled the house and uh, called 911. Well, normally, standard protocol is you try to make contact by phone, you know, make negotiations, speak to people. And this gentleman was deaf. He could not oh. hear. Oh, my what, gosh. What do you do in that situation? Well, they had one of the uh, uh, tele... I can't remember what it's called. That's got a telephone where the, the words are come across the telephone, little computer mm -hmm. screen. Yep. And he would not respond to that. So Speaking after probably about three or four hours into it, they decided it'd be a good idea to bring in a... Uh, one of those large sign trucks, they backed it up. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> and they started typing on the sign trucks, trying to get this guy to respond. Answer your phone, talk to us, please. And it went on probably about, at this point, eight or nine hours. And uh, I, myself, and probably about six of the guys were with me, and I had the shield, and we were hidden behind a truck on property, probably about, I don't know, 25, 30 feet from the front door. And it's pitch black. There's, again, in Citrus County, there's no lights, there's no street lights or anything. And I see the front door open to the mobile home. I'm like, oh, he's coming out. He's going to give up. He's had enough of this stuff. And then, of course, you're happy. You're like, I just want to get a power bar or something at this point. <laughs> so uh, the door opens, and you can see he's got a pistol in his hand. I'm like, oh, he's not giving up. So he's walking around. It's almost as if he's looking for us. And I remember thinking, this is, I'm going to have to shoot this guy. This is going to be horrible. I don't want to shoot him if I don't have to. And he never saw us hidden behind the truck, and he kept walking around. He went out to the back shed, and our perimeter people are like, okay, he's in the shed now. Well, he, pick, he got a can of gasoline, a five-gallon can of gasoline, and walked back into the house again. So we're all just kind of like waiting, standing by, like, okay, he's back in the house again. And this is standard for SWAT calls. It's like we're giving intel to the command post. Okay, sure. we're back online. We're offline. Okay, here's what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, the whole place went up in flames. He, then he picks up the phone, and he dials the number, and he's denied one. And he says, uh, you know what's getting kind of cold in here? I think we're going to have a little week going with, with the coochie tonight. And he set the house on fire. So the command is like, hey, get in there and save that guy. So as we make try to breach the front door, he starts firing rounds off at us, and we quickly backed out of that area. Um, unfortunately, he did pass away, but that was another one of those days. You're just like, man, what am I doing? You're reflecting afterwards, like, man, wow, you just set his house on fire. Yes, and and the standard was to run into the burning building. Yes, to, even like without a hostage or anything in there, just it's to, what we do. <laughs> would, would you would you do that today? Is that what they would do today? I like to think so. Yes, yeah. I, I, honestly, yeah. I mean, it's 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 our job. It's yeah. what we do. What we do. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that was just one of many. I and mean, we were, like I say, a very active team up there. And it, it just, it was best experience ever being a cop up there. That's interesting because on one hand, you have, you know, four deputies at any given time. But you, obviously, you have to still have the resources to, oh, yeah. to go do that sort of thing. Yeah. And again, Sheriff Team was good to us resource-wise as far as, like, equipment and stuff like that. But uh, 
what I found in a smaller organization is we are very tight knit. Even on the SWAT team, there was only 10 of us. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we have mm-hmm. like 40 here, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And again, we have a great SWAT team here too also. But I just felt in Citrus, we were so tight knit because we, we all hung out together. We all went to dinner together. We all, it's, it was very tight knit. It was unique, a very big camaraderie. Yes. Mm-hmm. How long were you with Citrus? Uh, 14 years. 14. Okay. And then SWAT for a lot of that. Yes, 10, ten of those years. Ten ten years, years yeah. Yeah. I pay attention. I asked him the question. I'm helping you. There will be a quiz at the end. <laughs> okay, there's no fighting here today. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. So a lot of the calls were t- barricaded type or search warrant related. Yes. Yeah, it was It was very, I mean, the drug, obviously drugs are everywhere and including citrus was that way up there also. So we hit a lot of crack houses, drug houses, and it was very active. Is that like so, a really like swampy kind of area? I don't really know. No, not really. Not no? swampy. It's it's now Homosassa, when the floods start coming through, it gets mm-hmm. real swampy when the tides come in and crystal yeah. river. Yeah. But uh You were there for one of the or, oh the no name storm. Oh right? yes, nineteen ninety three, yeah. the no name storm. Bad day for me. Yeah. What <laughs> Why do I got to talk about like bad stuff, I wonder? <laughs> well, it's entertaining. That's what sticks in your in your mind. Oh, yes. Good you stuff. yes, absolutely. No, the, the, again, young deputy. At this point I'm like twenty one, I want to say. I was three. <laughs> I can do this all day. Okay. <laughs> 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 Mike, Mike, how old are you? Uh, 51. I'll be 52. Okay, I'm 48. We, right. we, we have to like squash these two little ones. Yes, we're going to destroy them. Let's go out <laughs> back. Come on, let's go all right. back right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't fight fair. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't mean physically. Wow, you go there. <laughs> a lot of anger here. <laughs> I've been a cop now for 33 years. Uh, There's a lot of built up anger. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but uh, the no-name storm. Mm-hmm. So we had no idea. No-name storm. We had no idea it was coming through. And I was on day shift. And we started back then. We worked eight-hour shifts. What do you mean you had no idea it was coming through? <laughs> we had no idea. We had, All we knew was, was a, a rainstorm was coming through. Okay, okay. But it was like that unexpected. Oh, right. Okay. So, I think it was like one of those like disorganized things that just came and sat there, yes. right, for three yep. days. Yep. And, yeah. That's correct. No, no name. At, at high tide. Like, yeah, you yeah. had to run up to the weather station to ask the lookout what the weather was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> that was the fire tower, actually. You did uh, that <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, keep going. But uh, so we, a couple of us, the three of us go to the west side and we get dispatched to uh, go out to Fort Island Beach and maybe evacuate some people from a mobile home park out there, mm-hmm. a travel trailer park. And I remember we're out directing traffic, getting all the motorhomes out and stuff and they're leaving. And I'm looking down at my feet and I'm like, huh, water. It's in my feet now. That's kind of odd. Whatever, I'll be fine. So like 10 minutes later, it's in my shins. I'm like, okay, this is getting bad. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at the other guys. They're looking at me like, what do you think? And I had just gotten a new cruiser, a nice new cruiser. Charvetine gave me like a 1991 cruiser at that point, which was a big deal. Two-year-old cruisers like, whoa, I'm, I'm living life right. right. Crown Vicks then? Yes, yeah. Crown Vicks. I love those. Oh, they were great cars. Yeah. I do miss those. But uh, so we all decided, hey, this water's coming in too deep. We got to save these cars too. So we start driving out. And as we're driving out, all of a sudden I feel my car floating on the water. Oh. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> Oh, this is bad. And I'm just drifting down uh, Highway 44 West. Just like I'm on a boat. I'm like, oh, this is, you know, weird things go through your head. Kind of like Sheriff Dean's going to be so mad at me when he sees this car because mm-hmm. saltwater. And uh, finally, my car comes to the ground. It goes, hits the ground, and water's up over my hood now. So I go out through my window. I climb on top of my light bar, and I'm sitting on my light bar reflecting on my life choices at that point, <laughs> knowing I should have been a firefighter. Right. I knew I should have been a firefighter. <laughs> So there's a motorhome that's broken down right in front of me, probably about 50 feet in front of me. And I'm looking at the motorhome. I think, hope they're okay in there, you know. And the I'm not making this up. The biggest snake I've ever seen in my life at the time is swimming across uh, Highway 44 in front of my cruiser. And I got my gun out, and I'm, like, negotiating with the snake. I, I'm talking to the snake, please, please just go. Get, just go away. I'm not in the mood for you, pal. 
and it was a water snake. It was just so big. Mm. And I remember thinking, okay, if the people in a motorhome in front of me, I can't shoot this snake. What am I going to do? And I, that thing sat there probably a, literally probably about 30 seconds. I, I joke around. He was smiling at me. You know how a snake looks. I'm like, he's right. smiling at me right now. He's laughing right. at me right now, sitting on top of my light bar. And I look behind me and the two other deputies are behind me on their light bars also. So all three of us are just stuck. And uh, so he, the snake moved on, thank goodness. And we sat there for about 45 minutes to one of our mechanics who had an airboat. One of our mechanics had a personal airboat. He came driving out there in his boat and he's like, get in. So all three of us in shame got off our cruisers and climbed into the airboat. And I remember he took us out to Highway 19. And guess who's sitting there? Uh-oh. Sheriff oh, Dean. No. Oh, no. Oh. Big 2500 Chevrolet pickup truck, king cab truck. And <laughs> he had his hat, cowboy hat on. I have, and like, all. the perfect visual of this. And, and I look like a drowned rat. And he's like, he, first thing he said to me, he goes, you wrecked your car, didn't you? I said, yes, sir. Car's gone. He's like, and I'm shivering. It was super cold out. He's like, get in my truck. I said, no, Sheriff, I'm good. I'm good. He goes, get your ass in my truck. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So now I'm scared to death sitting in a sheriff's truck the entire day. He made me ride around with him oh. as a passenger. And I can't, I, I was scared just to be in a room with this guy. What about the other yeah, guys? Exactly. That, yeah, exactly. I don't care. At that point, it was every man for himself. We were so all wait, safe. But why the, is he only mad at you? Yeah. Uh, you, you I, was, I was standing in front of him and mm. I did have the brand new car, the two year old car. The new so, one, yeah. Yes. I mean, and, I don't know. I'm sure the mechanic, the fleet guy was pretty mad too, probably. The, those cars sat out there because the storm, like you said, lasted for so long. They sat in the water for like four days. Until they could finally get the water receded, and they went out and got them, and they were all totaled, obviously. But there was a punishment. Uh-oh. Um, the car that I got was like a 19, I'm not exaggerating, like 86 LTD. Oof. And this car was so bad. This car, your feet burned so bad driving down the road because the, the, the floorboard was all rotten out. Mm-hmm. And I drove that car. I was working Crystal River by the Barge Canal all night long. I remember just thinking to myself, man, if I just had that nice car still, how happy I'd be. And mm. So it took no, me many years to get a car after so, that. So you were punished for saving lives during a natural disaster. I don't think they looked at it that no. way. <laughs> <laughs> he probably could have saved the lives oh. and the car. Probably. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, well, that's what thought, you, know. yes. you were young. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> so um, what else did you do in Citrus? What other assignments did you have? Um, Which if you had other assignments, you weren't in too much trouble. No, no. Yeah. I, hard work. Hard yeah. work. I, I truly believe in that. And Sheriff Dean does also. And so does Sheriff Dossie, the next sheriff I worked for. And, mm. and um, so I quickly rose to the ranks. I, I was fortunate. I went to a street crimes unit. I did that for a short time. And then I went to burglary. I was a burglary detective, uh, did that for a while. And then I went to narcotics and I have to tell you, I was the worst narcotics detective in the history of the sheriff's office. <laughs> Why was that? I've been, a, 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 <laughs> I've been a deputy since I was 19. So I carry myself as a deputy, you know, you stand walk, there with the right stance hey, and, and, and your high hands, hands up. Yeah. Right. Hey, how you doing? Would you like to sell me some crack cocaine, sir? <laughs> You know, I had a beard hello, and long hair. They're like, dude, I wouldn't sell dope to you for anything. Oh, my oh, God. So that was a quick stop for me in narcotics. Uh-huh. So Great not good at buying drugs. No, 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 no. So Wait, but were you all scruffy then? Did you I have was, you had a beard? I, I had a beard, yeah, long oh. hair, beard, all that stuff. Can I, we get a picture of that someday? I promise you I got some photos okay. of the house. Yes, I will send them to you. I'd like yes. to see that. Yeah, that was, yeah. Send but, it to a standard mail? <laughs> I'll write you a check on that too. <laughs> <laughs> send me a fax. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. So I left narcotics and I was actually fortunate enough to go to homicide. I did that for three oh. years and that was a lot of fun. At the time I was single. So homicide is a great job if you're single. Um, you're, you're out and about all the time. You're crazy hours. You're flying helicopters all over the state of Florida. And it was an amazing experience. It was an amazing experience. That any, was great. Any fun homicide cases? Oh, we had a couple. We, we, we had so a couple. So how many? So you got four patrol guys on at any given time. What was the detective situation? What did yeah. that look like? Uh, we probably had, let me think. At the Two. time, no, we were, we were a little top heavy. Come to think of it now, when do you really bring that up? Jeez. Um, there's probably about eight of us upstairs. 
told eight of us to attack. Oh. Okay. So it was, wow. it was, well, but I mean, not everybody was on call at once and stuff. So right. it's still not, you know, right. oh. big yep. county, a lot True. of stuff going on. It, it really was. It was very, very busy. It was very busy. Um, one of the ones that really stands out to me is, uh, we had a, uh, uh, two brothers, uh, camping at the barge canal up in Crystal River. And, uh, another guy had stolen one of their gas tanks one of their five gallon gas tanks from their campsite. Mm-hmm. So they went and found him. They held him down and took a shotgun and blew both his hands off for stealing. What? Oh, true story. <laughs> so, uh, the one brother had gotten out of prison. Oh, How? Ricky has a question. Oh. I can see. <laughs> I'm just trying to just give me a second. Blew both of his hands off at once. They held him down on the ground. One hand, like like spread day. eagle, yes. so two shots. Yes. Okay. So and did they put a tourniquet on it after? They did not. Did they? I don't know. They were not he, very he, sensitive. He didn't, souls. he didn't bleed out, though. He didn't die. He, like, he how lived. does he it lived. happen oh. twice? He lived. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, we're gonna we're gonna move on. <laughs> so <laughs> that's just unfortunately that. he was released from prison, and I was in homicide at the time, and uh, we got a call from a missing person. It turned into a, a homicide case. We pretty obvious the guy was a drug dealer with the victim, and it was pretty obvious they had killed him, and we had informants and stuff like that. So we. Uh, we ended up going to trial and making a case on the guy and uh, his confession, which was never admitted because it was third party information, was he put the victim in a wood mulcher. And, and, and so people it. really do that. It's not just Fargo. That's what we oh, were wait, told. Yeah. That's what we were told. So again, yeah. back then, records were not like they are nowadays. There was no like, okay, let's scan all the, uh, the documents to find out how many wood mulchers we have in Citrus County. And we actually went hand looking for wood mulchers and, and, and we went lot to lot and you know, what are you looking for? And, and now we're talking months later, this case. So right. He ended up getting sentenced. He was found guilty of a conspiracy to commit murder, and he went to prison for a long time. Wow, so couldn't get him on the actual. No, and right. he was actually See, very nice to me. He actually apologized at the end of the trial, like, hey, shook my oh. hand, and I'm like, yeah, watch the hands, buddy. And you have a bad <laughs> reputation. <laughs> Sorry. So, well, so the, the no evidence was found of, of the body, so he's out in somebody's landscape now? Yes. The, the victim? I believe he is. Okay. I believe he is. Wow. Yep. That wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I don't know, just in today, and that would be all over the place. Yeah. If, if a homicide, yeah. both of his hands got blown off by a separate shotgun shots. Like, I don't know. Well, that was yeah. a separate one. So, the, the, right. Yeah. That, they were two different the, people. Well, well, that I, happened and then right. The, the two brothers did that to the one guy. Right. That's, and that's and why they got out of prison and killed the next guy. I know. I'm just saying. I'm like, that's just. But either one, either one would be For stealing. Yeah. Because he can't steal anymore. Yes. Pretty much. That was their theory. That was their theory. You stole from us, and we're going to punish you for it. That's what that was our punishment. I mean, I don't know. That's 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 entertaining stuff, though. That's a that was homicide, though. That's we a Netflix did. special, right there. Oh yeah, we always had interesting cases. We always were traveling all over there, going places. There, there, there was another one, and and so in the in the last episode, in the cold case, they really liked the uh, the ruse that they used to get the DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one really interesting one where you also used a ruse, and I like saying ruse much more than I like saying rural. So <laughs> I'm going to say ruse a lot. Um, yeah, we had a home invasion, a horrible human home invasion with an elderly woman who was assaulted. I mean, it was a very brutal assault, and she was there by herself for hours. She, they'd pepper oh. sprayed her, duct taped her, and just it was awful. It was one of the worst crime scenes that I've been to. She survived it, and she was a very strong woman. She uh, in her 70s, and um, so we were we were very passionate about catching these people who did it, and. We, we got some leads and worked a case and we worked a case for a couple of days and, and I remember Sheriff Dossie was our sheriff at the time and Sheriff Dossie was like, these guys aren't getting away with this. You're going to find these guys. I don't care how many hours you have to work. So it was all hands on deck. And I remember one of my confidential informants called me and said, hey, just so you know, so-and-so, I just talked to the, his girlfriend and they're all leaving town. She has a bunch of rings on her fingers and she's, she's going to skip town with him. I don't know what they did. I'm like, all right. So the girl's working at the Wendy's in Inverness and myself and uh, my partner, John Plevel, and my Sergeant Buffard, 
went out there and I remember walking into the Wendy's and I could see her behind the cash register and she had a bunch of ring, like six rings on her fingers. I'm like, oh, okay. And a lot of jewelry had been stolen from the victim during the home invasion. So I asked the young lady, I said, hey, can you come outside and talk to me real quick? She's like, oh yeah, sure. Give me one second. So she walked in the back and she comes outside and she's like, uh, what's going on? And I look at her hands. She has no rings on her fingers now. Mm. I'm like, gee, I'm not the smartest cop, but uh, something's going on here. Mm-hmm. So I started talking to her about, you know, what's going on. I said, oh, yeah. I said, let me ask you something. Probably about 10, 15 minutes in a conversation. I said, um, do you have any jewelry? Do you own any jewelry? She's like, oh, no, I don't have any jewelry at all. I said, okay. I said, so you, you haven't had rings on the last 24 hours. She's like, no, I haven't. So I remember looking at my sergeant and uh, I said, hey, Boof, I said, do you have a gold dust kit? And I remember him looking at me like I was an idiot. He's like, um, I'm like, you have a gold dust kit on, in, in your car. He's like, no, I don't have a gold dust kit. I said, well, hang on, I think I got one. So I went to my trunk, got my first aid kit out, and I got a bunch of alcohol swabs. And I went up to her, I said, now listen, I said, um, what this is, this is a chemical that if you've had gold on your fingers in the past 24 hours, it will come up on this. It'll turn a certain color. I said, so you're telling me now you had no, you have not worn any jewelry in 24 hours. And she broke down. Mm-hmm. She, uh, I, I definitely tricked her on that one. She's like, okay, I got rings. So we went and recovered the rings from the Wendy's. And uh, we ended up taking her boyfriend, her brother, and another uh, another female in custody for the home invasion robbery. And they got, I want to say, 25 years for that home invasion. Oh, good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Family affair. I was definitely rolling the dice on that one. I, <laughs> I was like, okay, let's see if we can play a game here and get this girl. Well, I mean, listen, if you're dumb enough to have the rings on and then yes. not. Yes. For, yeah. for, for those who don't know, not to spoil future ruses, <laughs> law enforcement does not carry a gold dust kit. Shh. Don't yeah. tell anybody. <laughs> don't tell anybody. Yeah. We can't wow. test for platinum, silver, diamonds, rubies, emeralds, but that's, <laughs> you know, gold dust is not a standard issue for our kids. Not so. at all. But those first aid kits work really good. Mm-hmm. Multi-purpose. Yes. Oh, my goodness. oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, you just got to be smart about it sometimes. Yeah. Was oh. that before or after narcotics? Because I'm like, if you were able to do that, why couldn't you do? Um, that's a good point. That was, that was after narcotics. I think I just, I found my groove. Did and again, it, kind of, kind of, it was all the way back to the jail days. I know it sounds funny, but I feel like... I've always had this comfortable groove and, and growing up, I was not exactly an altar boy. Um, you know, a really? couple, couple issues, <laughs> a couple of run-ins with the law, care, things care, like care that. Care to elaborate? New. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, so but he's I, a success story. I mean, yes. Exactly. Yes. I turned my life around. But, uh, but uh, it, it, for some reason, narcotics just never came comfortable to me. It never came comfortable like that. Just never came comfortable. But like in, in homicide, burglary, things like that, it just, that was my niche. I, I'd love yeah. that. And, which it's funny coming here because being with Pinellas County Sheriff's Office, I went to training and patrol training and then canine and SWAT. So everybody who I work with here is like, oh, here's the canine guy. You work with dogs all the time. They don't know I had a separate life before I came right, here. Right. And I always joke with my wife. I'm like, I think I did my career backwards. I was a young man in homicide and burglary and all right, that. And then in my 40s, I go to canine like an idiot. <laughs> so it's like, I should do this the other way, Mike. Canine when you're a young man and then go to right. homicide and burglary. And- so uh, a lot of great adventures in your pre-PCSO life. Absolutely. Sounds like. So that's a good segue, though. So let's talk about it. So you come you come here. Yes. Um, you said you did patrol, obviously. Uh, you did the training. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yep. Went to the training unit. And then you ended, you do canine. Yes. Best yeah. job in the agency. Best job in the agency. And, and, you know, honestly, I wasn't like thinking I'd ever do canine because, again, I was in my 40s. I'm like, okay, that that's kind of past me. But at the time... I, one of my hobbies is running marathons back then. And, and I had run seven marathons. And I was in very, very good shape. And I remember a couple of canine people coming up saying, Hey, you, you should try out. And I'm like, you know what? You really think I'm too old? And that question always comes up. Like, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm up there. So like, just give it a shot. And I'm proud to say I went out there and I smoked to try out it, oh, it, nice. physically. I smoked to try out and 
not to brag, but <laughs> humble brag. <laughs> but uh, but it, it so I ended up getting a position, and I found out quickly that that is the toughest position in the agency initially going mm. to canine because mm. I've been a success throughout my career. I'd always been good at except for narcotics, <laughs> <laughs> but everywhere else I had been, you know, SWAT and things like that, I've always been very successful. And then I found quickly that at four o'clock in the morning when it's cold out and you're wet. Trying to get a dog to go to the sit is not the easiest thing in the world. And, you know, again, getting there, you're like, how hard can this be? It's a dog. Mm-hmm. Hey, sit down, man. Come on, work with me here. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, okay, please, for the love of God, dog, please listen to me. And it, it was my canine school was four months of just stress. I went down to 158 pounds. I got wow. real skinny, and that was all stress weight. Wow. Dang. So let's get into canine. But first, like, tell us about, you know, canine and how it's structured and how it works here at the sheriff's office. Sure. Right now, we have 16 dogs and handlers here at the sheriff's office. We're 24-7 operation. I have two squads, and I know everybody knows about our new bloodhounds, how exciting that is. <laughs> oh, yeah. They are the stars of the show. Nobody even cares about our shepherds anymore and the mouths anymore. <laughs> Where's the puppies? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, we're, again, we're 24-7 operation. I have two corporals, and then the remainder of the units are canine handlers. Uh, we train every Tuesday night at the kennels. We have a, an amazing facility out of 118th Avenue and 34th Street. And every Tuesday night, we have our 7 o'clock read-off, and then we go into training, 10-hour training night with all the handlers. And it's a very perishable skill, so we, we train, train, train with these dogs. Mm. Um, mm. So, and, and then, uh, so the dogs um, live with the handlers yes. from the very beginning. We get them as puppies, and the way it works is if you're a brand-new handler, you don't get to select your dog. Because mm-hmm. brand new handlers, they look at a dog and go, oh, what a cool looking dog. Mm-hmm. And that dog could be the worst dog ever, no drive whatsoever. So we don't let them pick their dog. We select the dog for them. We pair them up after the tryout, and then we introduce them to the family. It's a long process. What, what are you looking for in a dog? High drive, prey drive, and hunt drive. Uh, what we do, the, the big test that we do, mm-hmm. the most important test in canine, tra- or canine selection, not a, other than handler selection, I'll get to that too in a minute, but for the dog, is the drive. And what we do is we'll take like a screwdriver and we'll, we'll take the screwdriver and keep rubbing our hands on it mm-hmm. and get that human odor, the skin cells on it, and we'll tease that dog like crazy, like, woo, throw it up in the air and all that. And then we'll take it and throw it into a high grass where the dog can see it, but he can't see the tool. Yeah. And we watch the dog fly out there. The dog who flies out there looking for that tool, the longer he, he, he stays out there is the dog we want. If he gets out there and he kind of walks, he's, he's excited first and about 15, 30 seconds into it, walks away. We're mm-hmm. like, put him away. We don't want him. Not mm-hmm. a chance. I want the crazy dog. You guys met Eddie, uh-huh. the crazy dog. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, we want that crazy dog who will not give up. I don't care if he finds a screwdriver or not. That's a, we, we can learn. He can learn that. What I want is the drive to go find that screwdriver. Why a screwdriver as opposed to a toy? Because it's a less appealing thing? Yes. Okay. Yep, absolutely. So you, so you want to look for it even though it's not a fun, chewy, squeaky right. thing. We oh, call okay. them hard articles. We use hard articles because on the street, when we're tracking, mm-hmm. let's say we're tracking a suspect mm-hmm. and he or she throws a gun down as we're going and, and way ahead of us, I want that dog to be a head turned toward that hard object okay. and, and let us know, oh, hey, there's something there too. Mm-hmm. So we always use hard articles to, to okay, train gotcha. them with. Yep. Um, so training and, and I mean, tell us, you know, talk about you, you're on your third dog now. Yes, I am. So, uh, you've been doing it for a while. How long now in Canada? Uh, so 15 years, 15 years. Oh, wow. Um, how old are you then, Ricky? <laughs> no, now you're making me do math. I'm a millennial. I couldn't possibly, um, get your iPad out. Come on. <laughs> um, iPad kid. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when you're talking about training, I know, uh, because I've been around, um, canine a lot, especially in the early days when you were torturing me and hazing me out there. Oh, can we talk about that? Oh, yeah. yes. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> we want the Ricky story. I just walked. Well, do you want to come right, back? Do you want to come back? Yeah, we can come back. Yeah. We can come back. I just walked right into it. Damn it. Um, 
So talk about, you know, your experience and 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 cuz that'll kind of help us understand what the process is like for training to be a canine deputy. Uh the training it, again it's midnight shift. It, it's a midnight shift training and I, I got to throw this out there. The people who built our unit way before me, the men and women who are here before me built an amazing unit. Our canine section, I'm so proud of it because years past they built an amazing program. We're just trying to keep up with what they built. I truly mean that. The pillars that we work on every day, they are they are strong pillars. So we just try not to disappoint them. So when I got to canine, uh, the the school is at night, like I said, and it is extremely physical. It is mental stress and physical stress. Every canine handler has AFLAC. It's pretty much mandatory because you are getting bit. You need supplemental insurance. You're going to get bit. You're going to the hospital. Um, the standard night was you get out, you do obedience, agility, bite work, search work, building search, article search. And it's not only your dog. Don't forget, you're also decoying for all the other people in school. So you're taking running hits, getting taken to the ground by these dogs all night long. It is extremely physical. And my first dog, um, I don't even say his name because he can go away. He didn't make it. He didn't make it. So, mm. But uh, I went through school with him. I made it 14 weeks. It was 16-week school. And they washed him in week 14. And I remember thinking, no, oh, no, 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 I'll settle for him. He's okay. <laughs> right. He's okay. And they're like, you do not want to settle for a mediocre dog. The dog, he was a good dog, but he wasn't a great dog. And again, like I said before, we don't settle for okay dogs or good dogs. We want a great dog because how long of a career is that for seven, eight years having a dog who's just okay? Mm-hmm. You know, deputies know K unit, whoever's on their way. And if it's somebody who doesn't have a good reputation because their dog is okay, how, how miserable is that for a career? You want to be like, no, okay, I'm on my way. My canine unit's on my way, and they're going to catch this person for mm-hmm. us. Um, so that dog didn't make it, which means I start off day one again in school. It was like, no, but you know what? Back in that frozen lake. Back in that frozen lake, alligators. Lake McGorry is where we train back That's then. That's full of alligators. And I was yeah. on, I got to tell you my alligator story. <laughs> Many alligator stories. I could sit here forever, alligator stories, because they're everywhere in our county. But um, this particular one, I remember in canine school, I was probably about halfway through with my first dog. And you go, there's a little bridge at the St. Pete compound where you're going mm-hmm. to Lake Megory. And to my right, I saw this dinosaur of an alligator. On a, it was probably about 7 o'clock in the evening. And he was sunning himself still. And the th- this thing was, again, I know people exaggerate all the time. He was probably about 11 foot and real wide. I'm like, oh, look at that thing. And I knew I was going to be swimming later on in that water. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're, we're at the kennels and, and the, the trainer at the time said, okay, go get your dogs. We're going to go through the, uh, the bridge. Go swim within the bridge. And I'm like, Frank, dude, there's a dinosaur over there. He's in the water now. <laughs> Can we please not swim over there tonight? Can we just go somewhere else? Not that that made any difference in Lake Megory, but uh, I remember <laughs> there was like five of us, five or six of us in the school. And I, at the time I was on SWAT, I was one of the snipers. So we put a plan together. I went and got my sniper rifle out of a trunk of my cruiser. I said, here's the way it's going to work, guys. I said, you're all going to cross the water. I'm going to cover you with a sniper rifle. And then when, I'm, when you get through, you come up here, take my rifle and cover me and my dog when you go through the water. And oh. that was pretty much every night. I had my, pretty sad canine school. You got your sniper rifle out half the time because you're so scared of alligators. But yes, yes. Lost for words, Ricky. I, I, no, well, I, mean, I, I know every waterway in Florida has I, alligators, but that one in particular, like if I have tourists come yeah. and I want to guarantee to see big alligators, that's where I take them. Absolutely. Yeah, they're giant. They're everywhere. They're the nice thing is when you're out tracking with the dogs, uh-huh. like, you know, at night you're going through a swamp, you know, waist deep water and you'll hear the loudest splash, like a bang. It sounds like yeah, a bomb going off. Yeah. Splash, boom. And you're like, oh, there's another one. You just got to tell yourself, ignore it, ignore it, ignore it. Keep going. And that's Aww. common that night. You're just like splash. I, I'm I'm always just unable to take my comms hat off. So I'm I'm just thinking about the call that we get after there are multiple shots fired from a high caliber rifle <laughs> at canine training. 
<laughs> just training, just training folks. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, then, we're, then we're yeah. hauling a, yeah, a dinosaur out of there. Because they, they always call a PIO, right, and say, is something going on? Oh, no, we were just having training yeah, out there. Canine but, tra- yeah, yeah, I was training. Sounded pretty loud. Yeah, yeah it was know. shooting into the no, water. It could be live fire. Somebody would training. have it. Yeah, that's, I mean... I'm with you. I mean, I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even go on the water. You know, I like not. to be with like sharks and alligators and snakes and things, and I would not go in that lake. No. Yeah, I mean, alligators don't bother me if I see them first. Uh-huh. Like not at all. Like my dad used to be a trapper. History with alligators. Go, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. I go with them. Like it doesn't bother me, but the. But swimming when it's in the lake? When it's dark out and you have no idea you hear it, you're like, oh, I know you're next to me oh, somewhere, pal. Yeah. And you mm. still have all your arms. And still yeah, here. Yeah. Ten fingers, ten toes. <laughs> but, I mean, the point is that if potentially someone you guys are tracking goes in there, you still have to go yeah, in there with in. Yeah. Absolutely. That goes down to yeah. handler selection, too. That's mm-hmm. why I was saying earlier, handler selection is so important, too. Whenever we hire a new recruit class, how often do they say, I say, who wants to go to K9? 90% raise oh, their hands. Yeah. Like, oh, I want to do K9. Everybody loves K9. Yeah. Sure, but they yeah. have this image of, oh, I get a dog, a I shepherd. I a dog so all cool. day. And then they come to tryouts <laughs> and they're like, what and mm-hmm. are you talking about going mm-hmm. through that lake? We make them swim through lakes, like off course course uh, lakes and things like that, because mm-hmm. we got to see that they're willing to go into water where there's some water moccasins, there's alligators, yep. a lot of spiders. Um, bad guys, like you were saying, Ashley, yeah. they go places where they don't think we're going to follow right. them, and most deputies won't follow them smartly. Uh, then you have dumb canine <laughs> handlers like ourselves <laughs> who are like, yeah, let's get this guy. You guys yeah. run into anything. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So when I went with you guys out um, for tryouts, when you went through the march, that was like so eye-opening for me that, yeah. you know, you guys go through things that you would never normally go through mm-hmm. because that's where they're hiding. That's they the think you're never going to go there. I mean, my jeans were ripped up, everything. <laughs> Sorry. Like, See, no, no. no. Those I are my canine jeans now. So If I would have been out there and it was 10 years ago, he would have made me go too. Which segues right into the mean? story, Ricky. Ah, oh, the story so we've been waiting for. We, we, we did. Yeah, Ricky said all those. I feel kind of bad. He said all those kind things about me. Yeah, but I've been this. giving you a hard time, so that's all right. Uh, yeah, how old are you again? Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> so... Ricky came out and, and you know, Ricky, how, how friendly he is and talkative and introduced himself to everybody. And after about five minutes, we're like, so do me a favor. He's like, yeah. I said, put the suit on. And, you know, the big, mm-hmm. we call them the marshmallow suits or the bite suits. That's never been washed. No, never. We, that's, yeah. We're proud of that. We don't wash those things ever. They smell really good. Mm-hmm. We have a couple. Never. It so it's matter. like total body coverage so the dog can bite you anywhere. Yes. Uh, not okay. total body coverage. Oh. Well, your not. hands stick out. Your yeah. hands stick okay. out and, uh, and, and your face, obviously. Yeah. But we, okay. gave, we were safe. We you, gave Ricky a helmet, didn't we? Like the least important thing? Yeah. Hands I, I, yeah, I did have a hockey, a hockey mask on. Or so you're like safe. Okay. I, was, I, was, I was pretty fairly comfortable you are going to be okay. And My uh, hands, though. Did you have I didn't steal anything. So, so, so we tell Ricky, so he gets all geared up. He's Hold like, on. The guy got his hand shot off for stealing. Oh. Unprotected hands. I love all it. Right. And we're back. There we go. All right. <laughs> Live with Mike Killian. Continue. So, oh, so, <laughs> so, um, I lost my train of thought. See? <laughs> Ricky's in the smelly bite suit. Oh, okay. yeah. So, yeah. so we tell is. Ricky, we're like, hey, dude, just take off running. And he's like, what? We're like, just run. Trust, trust, trust. Thing. Yeah, you're going to be fine. Hopefully it's, it usually works out most of the time. And he took <laughs> off running that we have a big canine field, our search boxes, and he's running uh-huh. full speed. And we sent one of our German shepherds, I think, on him and took Ricky down. And I mean, drug him like a rag doll across the field. And mm-hmm. the reason I share this story, first of all, he was brave <laughs> enough or stupid enough to get in the suit. I thought, gonna, I thought he was going to say, not a chance, buddy. I'm not getting in that suit. I don't have to. And uh, and he he kept coming back out after that, so he, yeah. he's technically canine. I mean, honestly, yeah, I'm an honorary canine. Well, the thing is, is the hands thing was a problem because I knew enough to know that the dogs go for limbs and whatnot, and I just have this vision of the dog like a cartoon chewing up my arm to my hand. That is, so it's like, oh, just tuck your hands in and run It'll as fast fine. as you can. So 
Tonight, you know, when you're bored, if you go for a run later, just tuck your hands in to your armpits like a T-Rex and try to see how fast you can run. And then imagine being in a, in a marshmallow suit. That's that's what it was. All right, so we'll move on from that. But, um, but, but did you die? I didn't. Okay, I didn't, yeah. and I, I still have. I think he's a little traumatized. Okay, yeah, he was yeah. a little traumatized by you the know, whole thing. It's all right. That twitch he has, that, that wasn't normal. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, that twitch has had many causes over the years. Um, all right, so let's go back to you. So you wash out your first dog, and yes. then let's talk about your actual first dog that oh, made it. best dog in the world right there, Mr. Axel Foley. Mm. Axel that was... That sounds familiar. Oh, yes. Mr. Axel was a amazing, amazing dog. And I know every canine handler who's listening to this right now is like, yeah, right, my dog's the best. We all say that. We all think we have the best dog. But I have to say, Axel, except for his behavioral issues sometimes, uh, he, he liked to bite. Axel did enjoy biting, no doubt about it. And Everything and everyone? It, it, we, there are several deputies who still will not talk to me to this day. <laughs> Um, that those stories are way too long. I'm thinking to tell you about about the gas pumps and one, I, I, I like the gas pump one though. Okay, I'll, you want to hear just, that one? Yeah, <laughs> All right. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was pumping gas on midnight shift, and, uh, and at the time, one of our undercover detectives in TSU uh, was pulling up. I'm pumping gas, and I had Axel out to take a break. He's running around the gas pumps, so the detective gets out. I won't use his name. <laughs> he uh, he gets out to get gas, and we're social. Hey, how are you, sir? Hey, we're talking, and all of a sudden, for no reason, Axel goes up and grabs him by the pants. And starts dragging him to the ground, and he ripped his pants off, 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 all off. the pants off. Oh that, no! That guy was so oh. mad at me. He didn't talk to me. And then, sadly, <laughs> that happens. And then, probably about a year later, we're up in North County working a call with those same detectives. Mm-hmm. And I got Axel out of the car, and he's like, "He's not going to bite me." I'm like, "Nah, he bit him." <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm like, no. I'm like, pal. He's like, those I just are the pants. I, I don't think he yeah. likes you. I really don't think he likes you very much. He remembered. He, he remembered him. But mm-hmm. Axel was a <laughs> tracking. Just an amazing dog tracking. His disposition was not very good for everybody else, but uh, he was great. He was fantastic. He was a drug dog and a patrol dog, and we had a lot of catches with him. Now, Axel was trained a different way than how we train now. Much differently, yes. So talk about that a little bit. You know, my first school with Axel was under compulsion, which means when you train a dog, okay, sit. You tell a dog to sit under compulsion. If he doesn't sit, you're going to pop the lead on his choke chain and push his butt down to the ground, forcing the dog to go to a sit. And eventually they will conform. Even your highest drive dogs will conform to that because of the punishment. Um, and, and they're good dogs. They work out well that way. But the problem is they become extremely uh, aggressive under compulsion. Mm-hmm. So probably about 10 or 12 years ago, uh, we, we stole away. Uh, we found that my, there was a trainer down in Miami who came up and did some teaching for us and some classes for us. And he was doing this thing called the reward system, which segued into uh, different ideas for us. And the reward system basically is reward the dog for good behavior when he does something you want him to do, whether it's food or a tug toy, put the dog in a sit. Once they go to the sit, you have like 1.5 seconds to say, give the dog that reward and mm-hmm. give the reward. Mm-hmm. And they learn so much quicker that way. It's called marker training also. It kind of segues into marker training, mark the behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, you tell the dog, like I, my dog now, Eddie, I say the word free. I pitch free. I'm mm-hmm. like, free. And as soon as he hears free, he knows it's time to play. So if I tell him sit, as soon as he sits, I'm like free and give him the tug toy. And we have found the best way I explain it during canine demos is who's ever worked for a really bad boss. You go to work every day, you're miserable. You're like, oh gosh, I got to go to work today for this person, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And that's compulsion training. Mm-hmm. You're there because you have to be there. You're not happy about it, but you're going to do it because you got to pay your bills. Versus going to work for someone you really enjoy working for. You know, you, you have a great time. Laura's pointing at Ricky <laughs> yeah. right now. 
Isn't that nice? I wasn't going to say anything. (laughs) (laughs) But that that boss that you work for, that you actually feel you have a buy-in, that person makes you feel appreciated and and rewards your, for lack of a better term, rewards your work, I guess. Yeah, Laura and I do the tug toy every day. (laughs) We do. Laura, sit. sit. (laughs) Look at me. I'm I'm sitting. (laughs) But those dogs are... Say free, I'll start running around the room. But those dogs, the dogs that we have now, I mean, they they bite just as hard when they're forced to bite someone, but they're such well-behaved dogs now, and they're, they're focused. I call them our subcontractors. The dogs are our subcontractors. They work for us. We're in charge, but they're happy dogs. They're happy police dogs. So was it just a, a, a lack of, of knowing any better when it comes to the difference in training? I mean, or are uh, there agencies that still use compulsion? Oh, there are some agencies around here that still use compulsion. And, and, and I think we just evolve as law enforcement. We learn better ways of doing things, kind of like everything else in our jobs. Um, you know, think about the way we used to train back in, back in the nineties, Ricky, mm. <laughs> years ago, the way we trained certain things, we've gotten away from all those tactics. We're like, Oh, that's ridiculous. Why would you do that? You know, revolvers, why would you carry a revolver when you carry an automatic with all these extra rounds in it? Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing with canine training. And it, it, you don't ever want to get stagnant with any of your training, any of your ideas. And, and that's one thing I've always prided myself on is new ideas and always trying to advance and do things differently. Um, so I'm, I'm always open to new ideas and I've got some great trainers at, in the canine section that we have, people who truly have a passion for training dogs. And whenever they come up with new ideas, I'm like, hey, let's try it. Go with it, guys. You're yeah. the experts. Do it. And they come to me with stuff with ideas. And I'm like, wow, what a great idea. And just we just keep growing, getting better and better. Yeah, and I think also, um, so the Pinellas County Sheriff's Office, we run a canine school for the county. So we train pretty much all the canine teams in the county with the exception of St. Pete. Is that right? That's correct, St. Pete, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and yeah, we, we have Clearwater, Largo, Pinellas Park, Tarpon Springs, and us. Cool. That's good. I mean, you know, they, they come to us. I mean, it's also an economies of scale thing, but. Yes, it's important because on hot calls, we're all together anyway, all the agencies. Mm-hmm. We all work together. Something major goes on. You're going to have canines from all over the place going. And it's good that we train together. We go to the same schools together. And then we actually train a lot on Tuesdays and Wednesday nights together. So we know our capabilities and dogs have personalities just like human beings. So you know what dog you want to use for certain calls, like mm-hmm. yeah. a dementia patient prior to our bloodhounds, a dementia patient walks away and you don't want to use one of those dogs who likes to bite. It's like, yeah. no, put your dog away, pal. Get this huh. dog out. That's mm-hmm. our happy dog. Get that dog out to find this person. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's really good to train together. But because we use, you know, the reward system over compulsion, though, the dogs are generally. Oh, absolutely. All of our I dogs just, are happy dogs now, they, right? They are happy, but I just, I, you certain dogs, you're just like, mm, yeah, he's a little much. too happy sometimes yeah. when yeah. it comes to the uh, apprehensions. All right, so you have Axel, then what? Uh, Axel retires mm-hmm. and uh, becomes a stay-home dog, which mm-hmm. he was not happy about even a little bit. He uh, he ate my wife's Louis Vuitton purse. <gasps> and it, it was, I guess, and again, I don't know much about purses, but it looks like a big duffel bag. It did look like a big duffel bag. And uh, I didn't realize how much of Louis Vuitton purses were mm. until that night when she yelled at me a lot. Uh, he was very <laughs> upset that I left and took my new dog, Reggie, with me. And she called me. She came home from work. She's also in law enforcement work here at the sheriff's office. She came home and she found Axel had eaten the entire bag. There was just little tiny shreds left of it. He had digested the entire bag. Oh, oh my. Yes. Like so. he was all right? He didn't oh, he have fine. to go to the vet? No, he was fine. Holy moly. But the bag was not. The bag was well, bag clearly. not. Clearly. I okay. actually got on their website. That's how I found how much those bags are, which I was very upset with her then when I found how much those bags are. <laughs> and, and I guess they do only do like certain models, certain years. Yeah, they don't. They don't yeah, yeah. I'm thinking like Walmart, go and get yourself a bag. And Were you going to yeah. replace it and not right. tell her? I was going to be nice, yes. Okay. And then they didn't have that color bag and all that, so it turned into big issues. So wow. Mother's Day was not too far behind there. So I was like, Yikes. I cried at Louis Vuitton buying her a new bag. And I worked a lot of overtime that year. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, so Reggie. Uh, Reggie. 
So Reggie, he is our, uh, we called him the, uh, the Blondie. Blondie, he was our Slovakian dog when mm. he worked here. He, uh, he has a personality of his own. He had a lot of names, Blondie, Dancing Bear, all kinds of things. Came to <laughs> school. Bear. He looked just like Dancing Bear, and he is a happy, happy dog. He is a happy, happy dog, I should say. He, uh, he was also a patrol bomb, uh, bomb dog and just a, a great dog. Unfortunately, at that point, or fortunately, I had gotten promoted to sergeant the canine unit at that point. So poor Reggie's working life was cut short by sitting in the office with me doing spreadsheets. Oh. Right. Uh, he can actually do a spreadsheet, time roll, he can do payroll. He was <laughs> I very might need talented. I to to him for some help. Yeah, that's pretty yeah, bad. Really. Evaluations. Excel, he, always, yeah. he always made suggestions for evaluations. He said, next to me at the desk and say, why don't you put that in there? Nice. Um, oh. So he, he was, he was a great, he is a great dog and he, he, a fantastic bomb dog. But unfortunately for him, he had a lot of admin time, mm. which now he is retired and he runs the house. He sits on the couch and enjoys himself every day of retirement. Mm. You have other dogs at home too, non, yes. non Leo yes. dogs. Yes, we have uh, four dogs now. We did have five; one passed away, so we have four. Oh. Um, Reggie, of course, my retired mm-hmm. dog. I have Eddie now, my current police dog, and then we have another dog named Katesy, and that's a long story behind that name, Kates. Um, and then we have um, uh, Shadow. Sorry, Shadow. <laughs> Shadow runs the roost. He's a tiny little dog, and he of is course, like it's always yeah. little ones. Oh, the yes. Napoleon syndrome. Mm-hmm. Big time. <laughs> Every time. My police dog Outback Eddie, who stays with us uh-huh. Outback outside and again in a kennel. When a shadow goes outside, he chases Eddie, and Eddie looks like the biggest baby running from him, yelping, <laughs> no. running away from him. Uh-huh. I'm like, you're a police dog, dude. <laughs> Try to act like it no. once in a while. So yeah, they, they it, it's we have quite the crew. We're the Clampets in the neighborhood. There's no doubt about it. We are the Clampets. <laughs> so so. But Reggie got some catches. Oh, no, he had some great catches. Yeah. He did. He did. It's just, unfortunately, what I learned getting promoted is a lot of admin duties. There's a lot of administrative time here as a canine sergeant because mm-hmm. of liability, mm-hmm. all the training records, all the things that go behind the scenes, the purchasing, mm-hmm. uh, the sergeant handles the, their budget. I do all the budgeting and stuff like that. So there's a lot of downtime paperwork-wise. And, and, and not only that, canine handlers are extremely competitive, and they all have their areas. So if there's six dog teams working the street and here comes the sergeant, and a call comes out, and that's their area. There's an etiquette. You don't want to be that person. Like, hey, uh, I'm going to pull rank here. I'm going to I'm going to get my dog out. That's mm-hmm. that's not the thing to do. You you want to make your people very successful, so you don't want to steal their calls. So it sure. it makes it tough because you are getting teary eyed. You're like, oh, I could get out right now. I could catch this. Could guy do right it. Now. Be a cop again. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Um, but you had said Reggie only had one bite in his career. One said, bite. Yes. Wow. One bite, and and that guy he was in a swamp, and that guy was not giving up. And he kept running and running and running, and finally ended up sending Eddie, Reggie, Eddie, Reggie on <laughs> him. Reggie. Yes, uh, said Re- Reggie on him, and he got an inner thigh bite on this guy, and it Ooh. was, it was, a, yeah, that guy was, that guy. I almost felt bad for that guy that night. Like, listen, let, you paid your price to society, pal. <laughs> I know that one hurt. So bites, that's a good, um, that's a good th- uh, question. So one bite, though, I mean, that doesn't, that obviously, doesn't sound like a lot, but we don't really bite a whole lot of people less than 10%. And I think that's <laughs> a big misconception about Absolutely, law enforcement yeah. canines. And, you know, certainly that has not always been the case. Um, you know, but you know, we we try to always be the, the exception, not the rule, but the, I mean, the dogs are trained to just find people. They're, they're not out there. They you are know. locating, they are locating tools, what they're supposed to be a locating tool. Mm-hmm. And if the person is a felon and they're not giving up and it meets the requirements, we will send a dog. But like I say, rarely, like you said, Ricky, mm-hmm. does that happen? And, and we keep bite ratios. We're very accountable. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, that's why we select. We're so, it's so important selecting the right personnel for this job too. You don't want anybody with ego. You don't want somebody who's just vindictive or sadistic or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You want to have a good, mild-mannered person who knows that dog is there if needed. 
Um, and I'm very proud of the handlers we have right now. We, we stay right about 10%. So one out of 10, if we have to bite someone, it's because we had to bite that person. Mm-hmm. We really did. We gave them every opportunity to give up mm-hmm. and they didn't. So shame on them. Yeah. I mean, most people, I mean, I'd say most, I certainly would, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. got the dog. Okay. I'm, you know, I'm coming out and that's what happens most of the time. Especially our repeat offenders. If, they, if somebody is bitten by a dog, normally it is painful. There's no doubt. Trust me. I have stitches everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's painful. So if we have a repeat offender, like I've had people under cars in St. Pete and the guy's like, I'm right here. I'm under the car. I'm like, I know the dog's <laughs> telling me. Mm-hmm. And he, the person, the person came out and he's like, I'm not doing that again. Last time you guys got me, the dog bit me and I'm never going through that again. So mm-hmm. Most people are smart enough to say, I'm, no, I, I give up. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, when you guys are out there, you're, you work a lot with flight. Uh, we had a great mm-hmm. um, episode of Partners in Crime that, that highlighted that. Uh, talk a little bit about that relationship and, and how important it is and, and how it kind of works. Because what I'm really getting at, too, is we always like to make sure we share some tips and pointers for folks if sure. they mm-hmm. happen to see a dog out or hear Absolutely. the helicopter out. Yeah. So uh, well, talk about how you work together. First of all, our relationship with the flight unit has never been better. Um, great bunch of people out there, hardworking. They, they, we all have the same mission. They all want to do what we want to do is catch the bad guy. Now, sometimes that get a little competitive. Oh, yes. I listen to their flight recorder, and they're so happy when they catch the bad guy before the canine does. Oh, yeah. They're very <laughs> yeah, excited I, about I that. I've been up with them. Yeah. I heard them. <laughs> you heard them. Yeah. So it's competitive, but it's a healthy competitiveness. Yeah. Um, it, we, we train with them once in a while. We'll actually meet on a Tuesday night, and they'll get the flight section up, and we'll lay out decoys and practice tracking while the flight unit calls mm-hmm. it out. Um, their technology helps us so much, the, the, the infrared camera they have. And we also wear these things called strobes on our, on our vest that we turn on. And they put down their night vision goggles. And once our strobes are on, the pilot can see exactly where we're at, even better than a flare unit. Oh. They can see where we're at. And, and, and the relationship mm-hmm. is great. So on a standard night, if a suspect flees or we're looking for someone, the dog is out, the flight unit is going to be over the top. They're going to be flying over, and they're basically watching us. They're taking, taking care of us, making sure we're safe. What we run into it an awful lot, and this is our PSA right now, Ricky, honestly. Um, whenever we're out tracking, it happens pretty much every track. Somebody will say, they'll come out of their house because they will hear the helicopter. Mm-hmm. And they're like, are you looking for somebody? And my sarcastic side wants to say, no, just taking a dog for a walk at 3 o'clock in the morning with the helicopter. Just, <laughs> of course, I'd never say that. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I'm like, yeah, go back in your house. Go back in your house. Why? What's going on? What are you looking for? A lot of that. And that hurts us in the canine world because now the dog is distracted. The dog mm-hmm. is like, whoa, what's that over there? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so if you hear the helicopter up, just understand. If you, I'll put it to you this way. If it sounds like the helicopter is about to land on your roof, that means there's a canine somewhere around your house looking for a suspect. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that natural instinct is to find out what's going on. Sure. You want to find out. If nothing else, call the sheriff's office sure. and, and ask the 582-6200 number and say, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Am I safe? Is there something I need to work for, look for? Uh, but coming outside doesn't help us at all. We've had some close calls um, of, of, we call them spontaneous bites of citizens because they come outside walking around. And, and I, I, honestly, I've had more guns pointed at me by civilians than I have bad guys. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of people get, they hear a noise outside, they grab their pistol, they come running out, looking to see what's going on in their backyard. And I understand, but there's a law enforcement officer legally in your backyard, jumping fences, trying to catch a bad guy. And, Mm I can't tell you how many times I've been like, whoa, sheriff's office. I got the flashlight pointed at myself. Like, please don't shoot me. Please don't shoot me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's please stay inside. So I, I guess while we're talking about tracks and whatnot um, mm-hmm. for our listeners, how does how does a track work? You know, the 
and we can talk about the bloodhounds a little in a little bit, but sure. you know, bloodhounds and the shepherds and mouths are all a little bit different with how their noses work. So That's correct, yeah. when when they're tracking, you know, a lot of people think, oh well, you know, it's like in the movies, which is is it is the case with the bloodhounds, but with a shepherd or a mouth, it's not like hey, smell this shirt and then go get them. Not at all. No, no, they're going off the freshest odor. Like let's say it's a stolen cart vehicle bailout. We'll take the dog to the driver's door, passenger door, whichever the person fled from, and we'll get the dog out. The dog finds that odor, and they're tracking that odor, the freshest odor, to where the suspect is in a hide. Um, you know, in Pinellas County, we're obviously very urban, not rural. Rural. We have a lot of a lot of issues with, like, foot traffic, people walking, people out jogging, stuff like that. Right. It makes it very difficult to work through all that with these dogs. Um, they're actually, you know, they're, I wouldn't even say they're tracking dogs. They're trailing dogs mm-hmm. going off that odor. And what they're doing is they're looking for ground surface, you know, like through grass and stuff like that. The foliage is, that's actually pushed down. That, that gives them odor. Not to mention all the skin uh, follicles falling off your skin as you're running. And we have a thing called um, uh, fear scent. And if your adrenaline's flowing, you're, you're running from the police, you're scared, you're nervous, your adrenaline's flowing, you're dumping more odor out of your body. And the dogs realize that. It, it, it's amazing watching them on a training track where they know it's training versus a hot call where the person's running and the person's scared. The dogs, you can see their drive is so much higher when, it, when it's an adrenaline dump like that with a bad guy. I had always heard dogs can smell fear, but I never knew it was actually true. I truly believe yeah. it. Yeah. Literally, yeah. You, we see it. That. And some of it's us. You know, we're hyped up too. Yeah. You know, we're hyped up grabbing a dog, putting a harness on the dog. Yeah. Let's go. The sirens are going on and yeah. they get that. But I, every dog that I've worked, I can see a huge difference from a training track where they're like, okay, we got this. Boom, 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 boom. Um, versus a hot call track where they're mm. like just on it, crazy on it. Hmm. Different personalities. Now the bloodhounds, yeah. like you were saying, right. they are they are scent discriminative big time. You could take a pillowcase, an article of clothing, and give that dog that article of clothing or that that pillowcase, and find once they get that odor in their nose, they discriminate that odor, and they will find that track wherever it's at in that area, and they will hit it up to twenty four hours. Oh, they can wow. hit that track. They, it is a game changer for Pinellas County Sheriff's Office. These bloodhounds are going to be so good for us, no doubt about it. They they don't bite. They're friendly little guys. Of course, they're still puppies now, but they're not. They're not bite dogs. Um, they uh, they just the drive they have to find that odor is amazing. And I just spoke with the trainer up in Pasco where they're going to school yesterday, and he said he has never seen better canines than the school he has going on right now. So we're really excited to get the bl- them all the bloodhounds, the bloodhounds, all okay. the bloodhounds. Yes, and they're all they're all brothers from yeah. the same litter. Mm. Uh, so are. it's kind of cool. Five brothers going to school together. We got lucky. We got really lucky. Yes. Wow, that's cool. It's a good group. That is. That's, I mean, that's the best tool we have is oh, yeah. dogs. Yeah. I think so. For the PR side and for the getting getting down to business side. Mm-hmm. And they work in all conditions. Yeah. Fog, rain, doesn't matter. They don't complain ever. Yeah. Right. Was, that, was that a dig at flight? <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I love the flight unit. I got to throw it out there when I can. Uh-huh. Hey, when they come on here, I promise you, and you have them as guests, they're going to throw a dig at canines. Yeah, so sorry. Yeah, it in first. It's all good. Sorry, Ashley, go ahead. No. Um, so when the dogs are tracking, they're anticipation like they're excited because they think that they're like playing some type of mm-hmm. game Absolutely. more or less yep. Absolutely. like it's not an aggression it's not a mm-hmm. i can't wait to you know i want to get to the end i want to find it i want to find the, the reward at the right end of this it's, track. it's mm-hmm. very much like a, a game yes and i think much. sometimes people like public perception they're not thinking that that's yep. that's what's happening right yep. they're very excited i mean and, and mm-hmm. i've seen mike and, and our guys do a, a million canine demonstrations but it mike is always you know the, the bad guy is, you know, well, they train, for example, mm-hmm. when you're training with them with apprehension, which statistically they don't get to do very often when they're training for apprehension, they're screaming and whatever and having yeah. a great time. And the whole time the dog is like, you that, know, those tails are wagging. Yeah. Yeah. They, they are thinking this is the best day ever. We're, right. we're going to Disney World again. This is the best day ever. 
So yeah, yeah. from and, the and outside like it looks scary, but they're, they're right. they've been taught that this is right. This if it, is if, a it reward. Was, if they were vicious dogs like we've yeah. seen in the past, mm -hmm. they would bite one spot and then move to another spot to another spot. Yeah. Our dogs are biting whole dogs when they're forced to bite someone. They'll grab one spot and they'll hold that spot because mm -hmm. they're thinking that's my tug toy. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and we're playing. They're not all over the place typewriting all over the place. That's where you get real problems. Yeah. Yeah. So, Eddie, your last dog. Old Eddie. You yes. claim is your Cu last dog. Current dog, let's say. This, yeah. He is my last dog. He is my current dog and my last dog. Okay. My knees are not going to put up with another dog, <laughs> I <don't> think, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, a physical job, you know. I, I, I am proud to say Eddie is the best of all three dogs. Mm -hmm. He has kind of got a little bit of personality of Axel, the drive, and he has a disposition of Reggie. So he is mm -hmm. like the best of both worlds, and he is a lot of fun. You guys got to meet him before we started, and you saw how – crazy he is yeah. and he's a high energy yes. boy yeah oh, yes he is non-stop non -stop. and so sweet. smart really smart uh i know uh, <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna lie on, on, uh. on the podcast you know, i want to come back again one day so i'm not gonna lie here tonight um he he's actually kind of dumb oh. <laughs> um, is, is he as smart as he needs to be uh, when i say he's dumb i'm joking around the reason i named him ed um mm -hmm. it's eddie but uh from the lion king ed the hyena Oh, uh, you remember that? The, 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 the tongue hanging out all the time. Yeah. Uh, during canine school, originally he was Eddie Murphy because my first mm. dog was Axel Foley from, from uh, right. uh -huh. uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Mm -hmm. My next dog was Reggie Hammond from 48 Hours. I'm a big Eddie Murphy fan. Clearly. So my third dog was Eddie Murphy. But then through school, I said, you know what? You're no Eddie Murphy. You are yeah. Ed the Lion King. You're Ed. just Ed. Ed the hyena is what you just are. Ed. Uh -huh. He is he's, uh, just awesome, though. He is so much fun. Not too bright, but he's great. He's such a sweet dog. He is a lover. Yeah. No doubt about it. He's a Shepherd Mal. He's got the half German Shepherd, half Benjamin Mal in him, and both sides show. So why do you use the, the combination as opposed to just Malinois or just Shepherds? Right. When we go to our vendors, we look at all the dogs they have. They have German Shepherds, Belgian Malinois, and Shepherd Mal's, all three types. Mm -hmm. And years past, we were always real big on German Shepherds. We're like, all oh, the Shepherds, they're real stable. They're, they're a lot calmer than the Mal's. And we found throughout the years, the Shepherd Mal's are kind of like the best of both worlds. The Mal's, again, amazing dogs. Belgian Malinois are amazing dogs. But they're not, in my opinion, they're such high drive that they're very hard to control. Oh. Shepherds are great too, but they're, they're not they're that level of drive. And every dog is different. But we have found that the Shepherd Mouths are kind of like the best of both worlds. We call them the 79 Ford F-150s. They're kind of like, yeah, they're going <laughs> to crank up every single time. Uh, it's just oh. they, 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 we really like the Shepherd Mouths a lot. And that, that, that's a trend, I guess, that's been, mm -hmm. I mean, the last five to seven years, something Definitely, like that, we've yes. been picking those up. So. We went from only Shepherds to only, you know, we, we eventually transitioned to Belgian Malamas. And then, like you said, the past three or four years, every time we go to train or test dogs, we, those Shepherd Malas just always impress us so much with their drive. Is mm -hmm. it one parent is one, one parent is the other? Yes. Or is it, okay. Yep. Yes, it is. Well, no, as opposed to like one Shepherd Malinois with another Shepherd Malinois and their puppies, which would, yeah. yeah. Got it. Let's get into like centimorgans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So that's another one because I've, I've listened to a million demos and I hear the questions too. So um, mm -hmm. the how do you get a dog? How does that work? What's that process? Where do they come from? Uh, the vendor we primarily use right now is up in um, Ocala area, PSD uh, canines. We go up there and we'll call first and say, listen, we have a need for, let's say, two dogs. And the owner of the company invites us up. Okay, come up on whatever day. We'll go up there and he'll say, I have 10 or 12 dogs for you to look at. And it's a full day. We'll, he'll get dogs out for us, and the first thing we do is that one has that test I was telling you about earlier, the hunt test. And we'll take the screwdrivers and we'll throw them into the field, and we'll start narrowing down our search. Like some dogs, you know, you get them out and you're like, ooh, put that one away. We don't want to see that one the rest of the day. Just get rid of him right yeah. now. Mm -hmm. And we'll narrow it down to maybe four or five dogs. And okay, we like these four or five. Then we move on to the tracking portion. 
And these dogs have no training, so they have no idea what we want them to do. And how old are they? Uh, 12 months, generally about 12 months old. Are you sure? No. Um, that's what they tell us. <laughs> the passports are handwritten, so they could oh. be nine months. Supply and demand, we are seeing a much younger dog coming across uh, from Europe. Um, and all that really does is we have to slow down our training a little bit. Let's say they say they're 12 months, they're actually nine or 10 months old. We'll just slow down the training with them, not be so aggressive with it. Mm. And they turn into great dogs. It just takes us a little bit longer to get to where we need to be with the dog. Um, but then we do our tracking test. And again, they have no idea what we're doing with them. They've never tracked anything before, but they can't help it genetically. They put their nose to the ground. And what we're looking for is that crazy high drive. They got to get to a tug toy. We'll take a tug toy. We'll walk out 30, 40 paces and tease them up while they're on harness. And we're throwing a toy up in the air like, hey, you want this? And they're spinning in circles like, I got to have that toy. And then we just walk off, get out of the picture, and the handler will take the dog and place them on task. Like just not even say anything, just let them go. Mm -hmm. And the dogs who keep their nose down and actually go straight to that tug toy without seeing where it's at in the grass, that's a dog we like. So Mm -hmm. we go to that portion. Then we go to environmental. Um, Once we've narrowed it down to, let's say, we need two dogs, down to four dogs. Mm -hmm. Okay, these four we love. Let's see who's environmentally strong. The vendor that we use has a huge uh, barn, uh, an enclosed barn, and he has all kinds of um, uh, things set up inside the barn, like chains, buckets, things like that, slick mm-hmm. floors, and very noise, a lot of noise, like rattling chains, throwing things on the ground. And we'll get the dog that has to go down a hallway, excuse me, down a hallway um, to the very end where we're at with like a, a sleeve, let's say. We'll have the sleeve on, and then they know how to bite. They, that, they know that's fun. So we'll be th- actually throwing things down in front of them, loud noises, rattling chains mm-hmm. in the air. Mm-hmm. And the dogs who don't even pay, throwing buckets down on the ground yeah. and jump over buckets, all these things we're doing to see if they're going to crack. Like, whoa, this is uncomfortable. I don't like this at all. Yeah. And the dogs who are the strongest, those are the ones we pick that have the strongest environmental. Mm-hmm. Now, if it doesn't work out, we generally we see once we get the dogs, um, first thing we do is take them to the vet. Once we select the two, let's say the two dogs, mm-hmm. we take them to the vet. And once they pass the vet for their hips, their shoulders, their teeth, all that, then we take them out and just start working with them and see how they do. At any point during that canine school, they start doing something we don't like. They start going backwards or we're like, ooh, there's an issue with that dog. He doesn't like whatever, fill in mm-hmm. a blank. Mm-hmm. Um, we're like, you know what? Let's not take a chance. Let's just send this one back. We'll start over again with a new one. And a vendor has always been really good with us. They're, they have that contract. We have a really good working relationship. We just call them and say, hey, how many dogs do you have left? Oh, I've the, 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 they'll say, hey, the three you really like, they're still here. So we'll get back to up there as quick as we can to get mm-hmm. that dog from another agency, get some before we get them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much it. And how much are the dogs? Uh, 11500 as of today. Wow. Oh. And another, you were talking about Europe. We don't, the dogs are from overseas. That's correct, yes. All the dogs we get are European dogs. They come from all over Poland. Mm-hmm. We have dogs from Poland, Italy, France, uh, Hungary. I, I can kiss here all day long. And people always ask. Why? Uh, do, do they speak English? They all speak English because <laughs> I, I am not smart enough to learn all those languages. So, yeah, they all they all learn English. And, and the reason we, we get them from Europe, I'm sure there's amazing vendors here in the United States mm-hmm. that breed dogs. We have just found the companies that we work with right now are so good at what they do in mm-hmm. Europe. And they're so easy to work with as far as like return policies and things like mm-hmm. that. But we're never going to say, oh, I'll never buy an American vendor dog. We've just... We got to find one we really like. As of right now, all the European dogs, the vendors have been really good with us. Oh, I mean, the, they, the bloodhounds are American, though. They are US, Kentucky, yeah. Leechfield, yeah. Kentucky. Yeehaw! <laughs> yeah. But I mean, also, you know, Europeans are a little more hardcore about breeding dogs. I mean, they're they're working dogs over there. Absolutely, yes. They they breed their dogs. Actually, we had a guy come from Germany, probably about 15, close to fifteen years ago. And uh, he was watching one of our dogs from Germany, and he had that German accent. Mm-hmm. He's like, where did that dog come from? And the, the dog, we got the dog from Germany, and he goes, that dog should not be here. 
Because we don't send you good dogs like that to America. <laughs> we keep those dogs for ourselves. So, it's oh, like, okay, wow. so they, we got one of them then. Yes, we, he got through the he got through that dog, and he's mm. a great dog too. But there's always some something that they don't like about the dog in Europe. That's why they send them to the United States, where they they because it's a sport in New York. They 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 work mm. those dogs like crazy, and mm. it's yeah. That's a whole nother story for another yeah. podcast. So we get, we yeah. get like the slightly damaged floor models or the... Pretty much. Oh. Yeah, I, I didn't want to say it, but Eddie is pigeon-toed. He doesn't know it, so let's not oh, hurt his feelings. Okay, okay. We won't say that. So, we but a sport arena, he would look bad with his pigeon toes. Mm -hmm. In America, I don't care about your pigeon toe. Do you catch bad yeah, guys? That's working, what I want so. you to do. Right. Yeah. Um, but in, in a sport over there, in a ring, they'd be like, look at that dog, the way he's standing. That They take the points off for that, stuff like oh. that. Mm -hmm. Whereas we don't yeah. care. Right? Eddie's always yeah. a winner with us. Thank you. He's a lover. So what, I mean, what else about canine? What's next for canine? Is there anything y'all are working on that's exciting? Always. I mean, oh yeah, yeah dogs are I, always exciting. You know me and my ADHD. I'm always trying to push for new things and right. new ideas. And right now the big thing is for us is our facility is over 20 years old. And I think we've kind of outgrown it a little bit. And what I'm working on right now is is not right, like happen right now, but in the next 10, 15 years, hopefully we'll have a bigger facility and what we're really shooting for is an indoor training facility because mm. right now That'd everything nice. we do, oh yeah. yeah, everything we do is outside. So during the summer mm -hmm. months, you can imagine what it's like on training nights, pouring down rain, things like that. Or even during the day, if we're training in the afternoon, the summer heat makes it very difficult. So the next, my vision for the canine unit when I'm gone, I just like to set the stones for it to begin mm -hmm. is an indoor training section and expand our kennels. Because right now our kennels, our facility has like uh, 10 runs where we can house dogs in case of an emergency and we have 16 dogs right so we've kind of our readoff room has 12 seats and we have 16 handlers so right. four got to stand in a readoff so mm -hmm. it's it's in a few plans in the future i would like to see it happen hopefully it will happen cool yeah good stuff so you talked about uh, you touched on the fact that uh, your wife works here so that's got to be a fun dynamic at home Absolutely. So, we have something to talk about. Yeah. So <laughs> she is a, uh, she's a lieutenant, right? North County. So That's shift commander. She yep. outranks you. She does outrank me. <laughs> she does. She always did, but probably. Uh, I'm not going to argue that. My wife all. outranks me. So what <laughs> would you expect? Yep. So, how, so how is that? I mean, you'd think that, you know, if you do the same job as your spouse, like, oh, it's, you know, there's, there's less explanation needed, right? Or, Absolutely. Actually, we're therapists for each other too, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. You know, she gets home, she works nights also. And We'll get home and we'll debrief. We'll sit there and talk about stuff and just kind of, it, it's, you know, obviously I married my best friend. There's no doubt about it. Right. So that makes it a lot easier too. But do we have like a, oh, on the sound? Well, yeah. <laughs> anyway. But uh, no, it, it, it's, it's been great. 21 years of marriage, another cop. And you know, I always tell people in the classes that I teach, I do a lot of teaching outside. I'm like, whatever you do, do not come to the sheriff's office to try to find love and all that stuff. And of course, I'm sitting up there going, but my wife is a deputy sheriff officer. <laughs> so don't listen to what I'm saying. No, yeah, don't listen to me at all. But it's, yeah, it, it's really good. We, a lot of, yeah, it, it, it's, I have zero complaints with my wife being a cop. And it, it's, it makes, does like you said ricky it makes it a lot easier explaining things when mm -hmm. you do have a rough night you see something horrible and both of us have seen things that you're like you get home and all you want to do is cry and there there's somebody there for you you're just mm -hmm. like yep you get it you get it 100 percent. yeah so. you guys have a lot of confidence in each other's abilities and you know you told me one story about uh she gave you a task to do when, when you were working at different agencies and oh the, uh, yes yes yeah. yes we have a lot of faith in each other we, we kind of like compliment each other i'm more mm -hmm. the tactical side of things and she's definitely very smart and very calculated and just very good at what she does. Um, but at the time, I got a call that a friend of hers from Clearwater Police Department, his car was broken into and his service weapon was stolen along with his taser and his radio and all his equipment. Mm -hmm. So she came home and it had probably been a day or two. And she said, I need you to do me a favor. She goes, go find his equipment tonight. Okay. Just, just like that. Just like go that. Find go, go find his yep. stuff. Please go find his stuff tonight. It was in the Dunedin area. 
So uh, I went back to my old CID days, my old uh, burglary days. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, this is where the guy lives. This is, uh, so I'm going to go to that area. Obviously, statistically speaking, it was a juvenile broke into this guy's car because that's what happens. Mm-hmm. So I parked my cruiser with Axel and I parked it way down the street off Salon. And I walked to a wooded area and I just stood there for like, I don't know, two hours. I'm standing in this wooded area. Just kind of, <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm just waiting for the right thing to happen. Just uh-huh. waiting for somebody to come out on foot walking around because these kids are out doing these things at night. And here comes this guy and this girl come walking down the street. They're bebop. And I jump out of the woods. I'm like, hey. They're like, ah. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, well, okay, sheriff's office. How you guys doing tonight? And you guys all know me. I, I'm very, I pride myself on being social. I'm not the right. kind of cop who's like, show me your hands all the time right. and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm like, how's it going? And they're like, oh, you scared us. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. So we start talking. And I'm like, guys, you got to be careful out here walking around at night. I said, I heard there's guns out here and stuff. People with guns running around. And so the guy's looking at me. He can tell he wants to say something to me. And I'm like, maybe he's my suspect. And so he tells his girlfriend, hey, just keep going. I'll meet you back at the house. So she walks away. He goes, hey, man, I know what you're doing. I said, what am I doing? He goes, you're looking at that cop stuff, the cop's gun that got stolen. I said, how do you know that? He goes, I know who did it. I'm like, really? So I uh, got a pretty good rapport with him, started talking to him, and I ended up uh, giving him 20 bucks, quite honestly. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. I gave him 20 bucks right out of my pocket because he was uh, giving me intel. Uh, I don't care. <laughs> And he was not a confidential informant. That was just a citizen oh. contact. That I, I was so happy this guy was giving me a lead. I'm like, hey, pal, here's a 20 for you. Could have kept it for a Louis Vuitton bag. <laughs> wow. So uh, he told me the suspect. Of course, he said the kid's name who stole the stuff. And, and mm-hmm. I, I was very familiar with him because we had dealt with him 100 times. So, hey, it was the best 20 bucks I spent in a hey, long if time. If you have information, talk to Sergeant Killian about it. <laughs> it, might, it might turn into money for I'm you. I'm going to carry my checkbook with me, Ricky. <laughs> my checkbook. <laughs> But, uh, Did you take Apple Pay? Yeah. <laughs> what? What is that? <laughs> I don't like apples. <laughs> I'm an orange guy. Uh. So, so we ended up activating all a bunch of detectives and stuff, and we sat on the house, and uh, they, the detectives responded out. We ended up doing a traffic stop on his girlfriend at like 3 o'clock in the morning. And we got her in custody, and, and we ended up going to the house where the parents lived. We made contact, and they gave us consent to go in, and we got the kid, and we located the firearm and the, uh, I want to say, his portable radio. So... Fast forward about 6.30 in the morning. I usually get off at 6 in the morning, and my wife, she's calling me, and she's worried. You know, it's, it's late. What's going on? And back then, we didn't have PCAD. She couldn't see what was going on. Mm-hmm. So she called me. She goes, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm just standing here with a uh, Smith & Wesson 40 caliber in my hand. It belongs to Clearwater Police Department. <laughs> she's like, no way. She goes, you're kidding me. I said, I got it. Uh, so it's, it, that, that, was, that was a fun, that was a good one for me. That was a fun one. It was, that was one of those nights you go home, like, I got something good done tonight. Right. I definitely mm-hmm. got something good done. And that's, and I think policing, we've forgotten some of that kind of stuff in policing where we count on DNA, touch DNA, and mm-hmm. we've lost our ability to really talk to people, like get out and beat the bushes. And that's, that's what policing is, talking to people, getting out of your car and mm-hmm. not just driving through neighborhoods. Because had those kids been walking down the street and I didn't just rode past them, I'm never going to get anything out of that. Mm-hmm. You right. got to get out and walk. And yeah. I, now the way I did it was a little off, I guess you could say, you know, standing in the woods, but I <laughs> but I it worked. It, 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 yeah, worked exactly. it worked. Um, just like the gold dust test kit. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the way I've always been, thank goodness, successful in law enforcement is, is talking to people and getting out. And I know we call it community policing, but it's really just policing, getting out and actually having contacts with people and, yeah. and not acting like a jerk and actually being decent to people makes a huge difference. And mm-hmm. um, I try to teach all of our new recruits that be civil with people. Don't be don't be nasty, even if they're nasty to you. Maybe they're just having a bad day. And there's there, there will come a point if you have to do something, put hands on or whatever, you get to that position. That's fine. But don't go looking to be a jerk. I know that sounds terrible, but yeah. I think we've all seen law enforcement in some agencies where officers and deputies get out and they, they actually cause the issue to happen. Right. And, right. and you're not going to get anywhere with that. So that's a good, I mean, and as we're kind of winding down, 
you've been a cop for over 30 years. You've yeah. been in training. You've done a lot of different things. And just like the equipment and the resources have changed, just mm-hmm. the whole state of law enforcement has changed. You know, what, if you were going to, if you were going to, well, you do address new recruits and you talk to new retru- new recruits, but you know, what do you share with them as far as how law enforcement has changed over the years and, and how they can be successful? Absolutely. And I really believe in de-escalation techniques, believe it or not. You know, I, I like fighting too, you know, jujitsu on my own time and stuff like that. And where I'm going with that is, a properly trained deputy can be confident that when you have to go hands-on with somebody, I tell recruits this, but it's so much easier having your, your, your game on to make it to be, you can de-escalate then because you're confident with yourself and you're, if you carry yourself and train the way you're supposed to mentally and physically in life, you can be a much better deputy sheriff because you don't have to act that you don't have to act like you're tougher than what you are. And I think a lot of cops are insecure at themselves. And I hate to say that, but I think a lot of cops are, they can't fight very well. So they go straight to a taser or they try to, uh, uh, like in the jail, they, they, um, uh, they like yell at you like, man, back off, man, back off. And all they're doing is we call it fronting in the jail. I think a lot of cops get out of their cars with their real tight shirts on and they're like, hey, get over here, show, show me your hands, get your hands out of your pocket, all that kind of stuff. And that doesn't need to be done. I think we can get our job done. Like, hey, man, come here. You know, I always joke with people like uh, when I do a traffic stop, I go up and I get a driver's license and, you know, my thing is I come back and there are no warrants. I'm like, hey, good news. The FBI is not looking for you tonight. That always makes mm-hmm. people laugh. They're like, right. oh, okay, that's good news. I'm like, yeah, you don't need to go up and be like, all that gruff nastiness. So right. um, you can be a lot nicer person if you know how to take care of yourself and you train well mentally and physically. If you mm-hmm. do that, you don't have to be a jerk to people. It's back to being people. We're all yes. people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good stuff. Thank you for having me. Well, so oh. before we let oh. you go, oh. we do yeah. always like to make sure we give everybody an opportunity so, you know, when we were, we were talking with uh, Detective Chalmers, it was like, obviously, you're working cold cases. Is there anything you want to share with the public? As far as, you know, canine's perspective, whether it's, we, we talked about, obviously, what to do if you, you hear the helicopter overhead, mm-hmm. see the dog in the yard, or, you know, things like that. But what about, you know, what, what is it that keeps you all out working the most? Is there anything you can, you want to share with the public as far as, yes, I know where you're going PSA. with this. So, yeah. PSA, please, first of all, lock your doors. <laughs> lock your doors, your car. And, I, and I'm a deputy sheriff, and I, on my nights off, I'll be laying in bed. I'm sure everyone sitting in this room has done this. You're in your bed, and I when I get out of my truck, I hit that door lock like 19 times, uh-huh. and I check the door handle, yep. and, yep. and then I'm laying in bed. I'm like, I know I did it, but let me just go check one more time so yeah. I can sleep tonight, yeah, and I will physically go out there and check it one more time. Like, okay, now I can go to sleep for mm-hmm. sure. So what we see all night long is unlock car doors. It, it, and, and again, I, we're all human beings, so we forget things, but mm-hmm. especially if you own a firearm, I mean, gun mm-hmm. ownership, it, it's a responsibility. It is a responsibility. If you own a gun, you're responsible for that gun. Don't leave it in your car overnight. Take mm-hmm. it out of your car. Lock your doors up. Um, you know, so many guns are out there on the street right now from unlocked cars. And, you know, people don't have their serial numbers of their guns. It's like, right. write that. When you buy that, purchase that firearm, write the serial number down. Put that serial number in a safe, your gun safe in your house, or you're just going to store it so that if it is unfortunately stolen, at least we can track that gun. Whereas, you know, if you don't have a serial number, we check out with somebody with that gun, we run it in the system, and it's like, no, it's not stolen, here you go, mm-hmm. and they get their gun back. So lock your cars, write down your serial numbers to your guns, mm-hmm. and, and that, that, that's the best I got for you. I'm just, no, use I mean, common sense. I, I, you know, we talk about it, people ask, what's the number one crime? Well, it's property crime, yeah. and then it's unlocked car burglaries, and then 85% about of the unlock of the car burglaries are because the car's unlocked. And, 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 100% preventable crime. 100%, and, and on top of that, I know we got to go soon. But, no, I just got um, a text. This, just, is a, this is an Apple Watch. I don't like that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need Apple Watches. <laughs> I got a nice watch right here. It tells the time just fine, Ricky. <laughs> but, 
anyway, um, you know, your, your, your car's out in the park in the garage, or excuse me, in the uh, driveway. If you've got a, a remote control in your, in your car and it's unlocked, they've mm-hmm. had access to your house now. Mm-hmm. Yep. We've had burglaries, home burglaries that started out as car burglaries, turned to residential burglaries, occupied. Um, you know, you're sleeping and you're, you're thinking you're safe and the bad guy's out there pushing a button to your gar- garage door mm-hmm. and now they're inside mm-hmm. your house. So that's another thing to think about. Again, um, it's just... It, it's a chore. I know it's a chore. And a lot of people say, well, that's ridiculous. They're stealing, they're breaking these cars. Well, they're doing it. Right. So let's do something to fight back a little bit because we can't be everywhere at one time. So you do your part too to lock your car up. And you got the dogs out there running, the helicopter flying, Francis coming out and you just lock the door and save some resources. Absolutely. And we got a really good chance of catching them. Yeah. Well, we've certainly with canine out there putting that in the helicopter. Yep. Absolutely. It's mostly canine. Yeah. The helicopter's very nice, though. I'll I'm, say it's mostly They get the good video of what you do. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. They do. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes not such pretty video. I have fallen off of fences and I have been, <laughs> I have tripped over parking blocks and I've, I'll pull their video and they're laughing at me the whole time mm. up in the helicopter. And they're like, you okay? I'm like, okay. And you can't breathe. <laughs> you knock the wind out of yourself. I'm like, I'm okay. Oh, this hurts in my 50s. What am I doing? Yeah, yeah. Once again, back in the beginning, I should have been a firefighter. <laughs> I could be at the firehouse right now watching TV. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, uh, you heard it here from uh, Sergeant Killian. Lock your doors. Thanks, Mike, for coming on and joining yeah, us. We appreciate so the much. conversation and the Absolutely. storytelling. That's what it's all about. You know, That's for our right. listeners, yeah, you're welcome. Uh, for our listeners, we want to hear from you all. We mm-hmm. want feedback. I would love to get to a place where we can take some questions or or lead some mm-hmm. conversations with requests from our listeners. So you can reach out to us on le- at, at let's56 at pcsonet.com. That's L-E-T-S-5-6 at pcsonet.com. Yeah, you took my line. You want to do I it? I always say that. No, no, it's too late. You've done it. Well, I... That's L-E-T-S-5-6 at <laughs> pcsonet.com. See, but she's not a serious person. She's uh, laughing at the end trying to do it. But it's uh, a fun show. It is a fun show. Yeah. Ashley, do you have anything else? Any parting words? I do not. Damn, I was hoping <laughs> for the I was hoping for the blank stare. Nope. get it. Nope, not this time. I was Will ready. you text me? Will you text me? <laughs> what? You're gonna text get so me. many texts. Can we can we put can we tennis. put his number out to the public yeah. on yeah, this? Yeah, just put it out there. Yes, yeah. he needs texts, guys. <laughs> tennis, anything. pickleball, scuba diving. We're everything. going to Chili's. He does. He does text though. I do text. Yeah, he texts. Yes, so he, he he plays this old man game, but he's he's pretty hip. Absolutely. Pretty hip. You're still on the well, MySpace. Texting has yeah. been around for like 22 years now. So texting, it? yeah. 22. It was really oh, no, hard. I just made it. It was really hard well, in one hand. I mean, time. It like with the, like you knew it. Yeah. Back when the flip phones were like to do C, you had to hit the right. button one, two, three oh, times. T9. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That, was that was too hard. That was, that was We're spoiled. We are. Yeah. We are. Yeah, for sure. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye.